There we are. We are live. Live. And for the first time, somebody said to me the other day, they were like, cover to cover, it's been very sporadic lately. And yeah, I, you noticed? Yeah, it, it, uh, wait a minute. Hang on. Can you see us now? I just got a message that says somebody's on YouTube waiting and it says it's 27 more minutes before we're live. What? No. That well, that's why I make. A, they're in a different time zone because we're live. Well, I'm making sure that they can see us. Why would you want to make sure of any of that? It says there's six people watching us right now. That's because we have a, a legend on with us, which we'll get to in a minute. Yes, because now, since uh, now it's back down to three, what the hell did you do? I didn't do anything. Well, it's still three or more, so here we go. Time for the intro. The intro. Covered or Covered is a podcast that features two idiots talking about music at length, and occasionally a dog does make an appearance. There will also be special guests from time to time that will show up, and they will be smarter than the hosts. And the hosts will give their opinions. By the way, they are exactly that. Opinions. They are not truths, they are not fallacies, and they do not reflect the views or opinions of their employers or those they employ. So with that, just enjoy the damn show. Before you, before you say anything, I love that the Jerry Garcia with the towel on his head from Egypt made it into the intro. And Bruce Springsteen playing a fish. Slug. A slug. Was it a slug? Yeah, it went by so fast, it was hard yeah. to see. Bruce is playing the slug. He's very good at playing the slug, if you ask me. Um, and no one asked you. Sluggist. No well, one yeah. asked you. You know why? Because Bruce Springsteen sucks. When, when we bring our guest on, at some point, you'll have to ask him to do his impression of Bruce Springsteen. It's really good. What does he do? Just, like, chew glass and gargle and then burp? <laughs> you, well, you'll have to find out. Oh, my God. Roger, what are you doing? <laughs> I fixed all the blinds, and Roger just went through all yeah, of them. He's just for, like, screw this. For, I'm going through all of them. <laughs> for those that are watching, Mike spent a good three or four minutes making sure those blinds weren't moved. Because he doesn't want the sun yeah, coming in. Yeah, because I mean, like, it, it throws off all the light balance and everything, and, and it's annoying as shit. So, thanks, Roger. You're a good pal. <laughs> anyway, hope everybody's doing well. We have seven people right now. That's good. That means that we are on and we are live. My name is Mike. That is Nick. Nick, what store do you own? Rock City Music Company. And where are you located? Five Mile in Farmington in uh, Livonia, Michigan. And where can we where where can we find you? rockcitymusicco.com and all social media platforms and what is it that you sell i sell guitars and records and drums and accessories and t-shirts and posters and lessons and pinball machines and, but we and. don't sell the, we don't we don't sell the pinball machines but we have pinball machines and that's, well, that's really good. what matters well, one thing to talk about right at the top, Nick does have a, you know, half of his store is a guitar store. Uh, and uh, there was a passing uh, this weekend, 
And it's very sad for the musical in- instrument industry in general. And that was the passing of Sammy Ash. Yes. Uh, who died at relatively young at 65 very young. years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, people say, well, 65 is old yet. No, not today. Not anymore. <laughs> you know, so 65 years old yet. He was uh, battling melanoma for the past year, in fact. Uh, but, you know, let's let's give a, you know, little little cheers to Sammy Ash, who was actually a really nice guy and, uh, you know, really helped this musical instrument industry forward. I mean, his grandfather, Sam Ash, if it weren't for him, a lot of the stores that you see around today probably wouldn't exist. So, That's true. We would uh, we would be washing dishes somewhere if it wasn't for Sam Ash. Maybe you. I would have a different job because I went to college. But, you know. <laughs> hey, uh, are you trying to say I didn't go to college? <laughs> I'm trying to say that I went to college. <laughs> and your Spell with, college. You, you, you have a friend named Goldfish. So, <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> no comment. So anyway, yes, uh, Sammy, thank you for everything. And uh, I know that your, your, your family's name is going to live on for years and years and years. And uh, thanks for everything you've done for the musical instrument industry. So, Absolutely. Um, now, next up, um, we have a really cool guest today, and we're going to talk about a lot of things with this guest. And his name is Tob Byrell. Wait, no. Boob Tyrell? No. Bob Mike's Tyrell. A, Mike's only say, can't say his name right because uh, we've killed so many brain cells together, the three of us. So, yeah, actually, when Bob comes on, I mean, you, you'll see him. He, he's actually he's altered his appearance for this uh, for this show. He actually looks like a member of ZZ Top now. Um, but uh, he's also known as the liver assassin. Yes. And that is a well-earned name. <laughs> so, apart from being a very, very talented uh, tattooer and a very, very talented guitar player, he is a very, very, very talented drinkist. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. So we'll be bringing him on here in a minute. But before that, just want to go through some housekeeping things. If you're new here, thank you for coming. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you click the bell for notifications. Make sure you like this. Make sure you do all the things. Please do all the things. And if you're not new here, tell people about this and all that shit. Yes. Thank you. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about things like, what are you listening to? Like, hey, Nick, what are you listening to right now? So the things that have been in constant rotation for me lately, um, are, you, are you familiar with Scott Walker? Do you know who Scott Walker is? Is he related to but- Butch Walker? No, he is oh, not. Uh, okay. But uh, Scott Walker was uh, like kind of a a Tom Jones-esque singer in the 60s with the Walker Brothers, and then in his solo career, he kind of went on to do uh, what they call Baroque pop, but like with like really deep fucking weird lyrics and stuff, and then he turned into an avant-garde musician. But his first four solo records are still rooted in that like Baroque pop, and uh, somebody gave me a copy of uh, his album Four the other day, and uh, I've been playing the hell out of that. Really cool stuff. Uh, great voice and uh, really cool songs. So if you're into that type of stuff, I would highly recommend checking him out. Um, underground artist, but um, very rewarding. You know um, what they say, though? If it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm yeah. out of here. I'm signing off now. This is the last episode <laughs> of Covered It Covered. Um, I've been playing an album by one of your favorite artists. I don't know if he's actually one of your favorites, but because you're from new york you're required to like billy joel so uh billy yes. joel the stranger 
great album amazing album amazing album and uh you like i said you're from new york so you have to like him remember when i said to you well you're don't you like bruce springsteen you're from new york and you were like god damn it that's billy joel (laughs) um and then finally last week uh the who who's next lifehouse box set came out i did a great uh rundown of the whole thing uh via the rock city website and facebook page uh going into a deep dive about the album and its history this box set like so many that have come out in the last few years is just a prime example of how to do a box set 10 discs of stuff including a uh, remastered version of the great album a blu-ray disc that has an atmos mix and a 5.1 mix and then two discs of pete townsend home demos three live shows um stuff recorded at the record plant with leslie west on lead guitar that was pretty amazing to hear um two hardcover books i mean this this thing is just uh just a beast and uh money well spent it's a box set that will continue to reward well there you go and how much what how much is that box set selling for at this moment right now well i think it's like it's still tag price is 300 if you can find one um but we had it sold out pretty quick right i was gonna say we had an issue getting our allotment in and uh one of our reps said universal does not plan on repressing the box set so if you you see one and you're a who fan grab it now because before you know it it's going to be double or triple the price yep and there's been a lot of things like that happening as far as things disappearing within a day or so. Speaking of Universal, they're reissuing Jellyfish, uh, Belly Button, and Spilt Milk. Two so of the greatest gonna... records of all fucking time. And two of the most expensive pieces of vinyl to buy of all time. I mean, the, yep. the, the original, the OG of Spilt Milk is like 500 bucks and up. Yep. To find so finding that they are reissuing even the reissues that came out around 2012 on omnivore those are two to three to four hundred dollars yep. so the fact that they're reissuing them well everybody went nuts and bought them and they supposedly sold out super quick now nick told me about it and i got mine uh reserved they're not shipping till november and this is because i had just had a conversation with mike the previous day where yep. he was going to buy a copy of spilt milk for 300 bucks yeah And I said, Mike, look, they're reissuing Spilt Milk and Belly Button. Yeah, and I was like, great, I don't have to spend 300 bucks because I would have put it on PayPal and had to pay it off. And like, well, I don't want to do that either. So it was great to reserve those. And then Nick went to do it, and he bought them. And then they said, no, 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 we're sold out. Here's your money back. Yeah, they canceled my order. (laughs) Motherfuckers. But if you're not able to get them, who's going to take care of you? I, te- I, I had to beg Mike. I was like, dude, you know how much this album means to me. And he, and he I think you said something like, I hate to see you suffer in this capacity just yeah, because it was spilt milk. Yeah. If it was anything else, I'd be like, screw you, buddy. But right. since I bought two of each, I will graciously not donate, but I'm going to take his money for it. Uh, <laughs> get one to Nick. But I think today you may have been able to get one. Is that Fingers right? crossed. Fingers I don't want to jinx it. So but hopefully I will say, though, that that uh, the you, was it you discovered or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that music site from Universal Music is actually pretty good for purchasing, you know, pre pre ordered albums and things in that nature. Other things that are coming out soon. We have next month. We have because uh, it was supposed to be next week initially. But Asia, the UHQR of Asia is coming out in October now. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. Have you, I know you haven't bought it yet because we haven't talked about it, but yeah. have you read about any of the, the uh, backlash on pretzel logic? No. Okay. So totally 
it comes down to the the opinion of the listener of course i think it sounds pretty good it doesn't okay. sound as good as the first two steely dan releases for sure there's people out there going this sounds like shit i can't believe they released this wow um there is a it's very it has a lot of high end it's very bright so if you play it and you play it loud and you roll back the high end i think it sounds great there's still a lot of stuff that i never heard in that record it's in my top three steely dan records pretzel logic is so i really enjoyed it but there's people that are like this is fucking bullshit if they do this with asia or the royal scam i'm gonna kill somebody so yeah wow all right. Well, we'll see. Uh, that is yet to be seen because otherwise it'll be 125 bucks that we just may have just burned. 150. Uh, 150. That's right. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. The Mofis are 125. Um, which those Van Halen Mofis, hopefully coming soon. Hopefully. Van Halen one's supposed to ship in two weeks. Supposed to. Supposed to. But keep your fingers crossed. I will be buying it. I'll be buying Asia. I'll be buying the Van Halen box set with Sammy Hagar on vocals. I uh, will be doing it. That's a shame. That I, is a shame. Look, you need it for the collection. And I don't, I don't have a copy of Balance. I don't, I don't have a need copy it. of Balance. That's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good album. I just need it for the collection. You, um, my what, collection's doing just fine without any of those records. All right. Are you done talking about what you were listening to? Because I completely interrupted. <laughs> yes, I was done. Okay, great. Um, yeah, what am I listening to? I've been listening to a lot of The Darkness. I'm going to be honest, man. Yes, great I man. love The Darkness now, and Justin Hawkins is such a great singer, and I believe uh, I believe in a thing called Love is a great tune. Permission not, to Land, one of the greatest yeah. debuts ever. And try finding that on vinyl. They're supposed to be reissuing that, too. That's supposed to be coming out soon. October, but even the OGs, yep. Yeah, the OGs on that are $175. Yep. So it's crazy. I'm just glad that these are getting reissued because now I feel like I can listen to it. If I paid 30 bucks for it, I feel like I can open it and listen to it. If it's 175, I feel like I got to wipe it down with a diaper and shine it, you know? <laughs> so, but that's cool. So that's coming out. But listen to that. And I've been listening to The Pretty Reckless. Uh, I like The Pretty Reckless. That's with Taylor Momsen, who played Cindy Lou Who in uh, How the, the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah. Uh, we fixed their amps uh, that at the, they opened that show where Chris Cornell ended up passing after the oh, after the show. They opened that show and we fixed their amps that day at the shop. Is that why Chris died? I can't confirm nor deny okay, that that's why enough. he died. Well, let's hope that's not the case. Yes. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I've been listening to The Pretty Reckless a lot, too. And I have an unhealthy infatuation with Taylor Momsen anyway. So there's that. Um. <laughs> Creepy old guy. There we go. Yeah. Look, she's hot. What can I say? And she's in her 30s now, so it's okay. Um, but all right. So why don't you let's go quickly through three releases that are happening this week, and we will get to our guest. Okay, so coming out this week, uh, reissue from Neil Young, his uh, early 90s album Harvest Moon, one of his uh, later uh, career uh, albums that, that people love. I think it's a great record. It hasn't been available in a while. Indie exclusive. Now, this product is only available from indie, ex indie retailers and uh, neilyoungarchives.com. So you can't get it from Amazon. You can't get it from Walmart. So power to them for that. Uh, again, it's on clear vinyl, 2LP set, limited quantity. Um, if you haven't heard that record, I highly recommend picking it up. It's total like uh, early 70s singer-songwriter Neil Young. Uh, so if you're into that stuff, you'll love Harvest Moon. That's getting a reissue. 
Uh, speaking of other titles that people have been waiting a long time to get reissued, the later period Tom Waits records. So Rain Dogs, Swordfish Trombones, Frank's Wild Years, Bone Machine, all these records that have been $100, $200, $300 for a long time are getting reissues. Wow. Um, indie exclusives uh colors and then there is standard black vinyl as well they're going to be coming out sporadically for the next uh i think four to six weeks sort of have they been doing the aerosmith catalog uh but the first three come out this week swordfish trombones uh rain dogs and frank's wild years so uh rain dogs fantastic record definitely a must own and then finally, we were just speaking about them. One of one of our favorite musicians, uh, Roger Joseph Manning Jr. of Jellyfish and Imperial Drag and Beck's touring band, among other things, has a brand new album coming out. It's actually a, com a combination of his last two EPs. So Glamping, which came out, I think, in 2019, and then five brand new songs uh, called uh, Radio Days. So that's coming out. Uh, any is it under his name or is it under Licorice Quartet? No, it's under uh, Roger Joseph Manning Jr. Licorice okay. Quartet ceases to exist now. Okay. So uh, this is a Roger solo thing. Um, I own the Glamping EP. Great stuff, as always. I mean, Roger, one of those unsung heroes of songwriting, and his records are always great. His album, Land of Pure Imagination, is up there top top 10 for me probably so um you're not going to get any new jellyfish material so this is the closest you're going to get and i think it lives up to it so and speaking of jellyfish I, i'm hoping in a few weeks to have somebody who is uh, close to those guys on as a guest so who has some uh, great and interesting stories and a quite a memorabilia collection so. i love well we can nerd out over that i'd love to have roger on here once that would be amazing never know but you never i'm know. gonna say no but <laughs> Hey, I have, I have, the, I have the in. I just worry about you making him mad. How would I make him mad? I don't know. You'd be yelling at him about spilt milk. Why being would I yell at him about it? That is, that's not his fault. Yeah, but I know how you are. Why would I do that to Roger Joseph Manning Jr.? I don't know. I'm going to do it to Bob Tyrell. Well, th we have history with Bob Tyrell. Yeah, three hundred dollars for an album from Bob Tyrell. <laughs> Oh, wait, there he is. Is he here? Let's <laughs> see if it looks. He is here. Okay. <laughs> we hey. have brought in the one, the only Bob Tyrell with his head cut off. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> now, now, of course, we bring him in. Now he's frozen. My head chopped off. You were, and you're frozen, Bob. And you're frozen. Hey, you guys are cutting out a bit, too. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. And now you're cutting out a bit. You know, we cut the cheese is what we do here. <laughs> maybe All right. Bob, Bob, Bob Tyrell is on dial-up. <laughs> yeah, what happened? We had a great connection before yeah, the we connection started. Was perfect. And, now, and now Bob's all choppy and he can't hear us and we can't hear him. Oh, wait. He's starting, I'm starting to see more motion, more frames per second. All right. We're getting there. Slowly but surely. Are you on, are you on 3G? I can hear you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah we can Don't hear touch you. nothing. You're good. You can hear me? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm on 5G. Wonderful. 5G, good. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Bob. Thanks for coming Whatever on. Whatever that's worth. <laughs> <laughs> I, gee, already Thanks it for started. having me, fellas. Oh, there we are. We're on a massive delay is what it is. <laughs> I think we are delayed. Are we delayed, Bob? Uh, no, you guys aren't in my ears. 
Okay. Okay. Oh, he started moving faster. That was that was much much better. I was very happy to see that. All right. Well, welcome again. Uh, Bob Tyrell, for those of you that don't know, is one of the top tattooers in the world, period. World renowned. Uh, if, if if, If you like black and gray tattooing, if you like portrait tattoos, he's basically the guy to go see. Um He's tattooed me and Nick, and that's all you need to know. But he's also tattooed at least four other people, and uh, it's it's magnificent. And actually, just to uh, we're going to show some of Bob's tattoos, some of the work he's done. But Bob is also an amazing guitar player and is rhythm guitarist in a band called The Bow Kings yes. with Mario Barth, who is in his own right a very good tattoo a tattooer. So um, we're going to talk about all that today. Bob, how you doing today overall? I'm good, man. See, now he's moving like? in full motion. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We got the pace going. It's all it's all set. Well, yes. Bob, you just got back from New Jersey with a from a gig with About Kings, and you played with some pretty incredible. Shared the stage with a, some incredible people. Sebastian Bach. I saw Eddie Trunk. Who else was there? Stephen Piercy, right? Wasn't Stephen Piercy there? Yep, Stephen Piercy, Phil Lewis from LA Guns. Um, Tie me down. Tie me down from Fast Pussy Kid. Yep. So it was. Um, so the house band was Todd Kearns and Brent Fitz from uh, Slashes. You know, band with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Um, so they were the bass and drums, and Brent Woods played guitar, and he's played with Sebastian Bach. I think he still is with Sebastian, but he's played with a ton of people. And uh, so they were like the house band, you know, and then they had four singers. They each came out and did like five songs each of their respective bands, you know. Tammy Dow came out and did Fast Pussycat, you know, and then um, Phil Lewis came out and did all L.A. Guns. Um, Sebastian came out and did all Skid Row. And then, uh, you know, Stephen Piercy came out and did Rat. And uh, it was fucking great, man. It was killer. Really, really cool idea. Really special show. So it's awesome. We got to open up. We weren't supposed to play on Saturday because we played Friday night, a full set on Friday. And we're like, man, we should play Saturday, you know, because they were the only band and, and there was time. So we did a short six song set and we just did all rockers, you know, so we came out to a really short but sweet set. And uh, and I liked that better than the night before, man. It was uh, It was just just come out six rockers and, and you're done and then watch those guys all night really really <laughs> just cool. like i'm done my work is finished here yeah. i have times give good me a times. beer and a shot thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got to drink and watch those guys for a couple hours so let's put a little perspective so. around this so you said you played six rockers but that's mainly because about mm-hmm. kings is more of a country rock band right more of a southern rock kind of band yeah, it's uh, you know, they call it Mario. You know. Uh oh, did we lose him? I think we did. Well, I heard his phone Oops. going off. <laughs> Somebody's texting him like, "Hey, man, can I get a tattoo?" Oh, you think text messages are fucking it up? Probably. That <laughs> Probably, usually yeah, does. That's what it is. That usually does. I don't know how to shut oh, it man. off though. Uh, well, you can. You Quit can't really shut me. it off. <laughs> yeah, stop texting Bob Tyrell, Quit everyone. Texting me. Leave him alone. Wow. Oh, we he's won- gone. <laughs> he's gone. Here's the funny thing, Bob. 
Bob, like Mike knew this was going to happen. He kept, totally, he, for like five days, he's like, all right, now you're going to help Bob get set up <laughs> for this. Right. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do the best I can. He's back. What button did you press? Looks like I went away what? there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, you I, did. <laughs> I, I had to connect myself again. So I just reconnected myself. So thank you're welcome, fellas. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I fixed it. I fixed the problem. That's there good. Go. <laughs> I could fix my problem really oh, easy. This be a fun night, no, don't huh? look now, Mike's yeah, now Mike's gotta fuck All right, around. I fixed my problem. No. <laughs> the problem with this show is usually me. So yes. that's like in general. Like Nick's the good one. He's sort of the cuddly one, unless you ask him about Dreams by Van Halen. Then he turns Which is into, a terrible song. Turns Bob, into Jungle Cat. Bob, how bad is Dreams by Van Halen? And you better say horrible. You know, I have I have my guilty pleasures and I like that song. Oh god. Oh snap! <laughs> oh no shut good. down in flames, Nick. Damn, what is that is too funny. <laughs> All right. Enough of this tomfoolery. Uh, I Did think you Bob... catch that, what I said? Yeah. Oh, I heard oh, you. Oh, yeah. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> All right. Now I'm. What about um, is this love? Is it love or what, what's it called? Uh, well, it's love. Well, I hate that, like that one, one too. There? No, I can't stand that one. Uh, not that I knew it. That's why I asked. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't like, like anything. Dreams. Sammy Hagar, which I understand, but I mean, it's like this. It's like this unrealistic vitriol. Like, <laughs> well, we all know. I mean, Bob included knows that there's only one gentleman I can't stand more. Uh, yeah, Steve, Steve Miller? Miller. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Steve Miller. Yes. Horrible. I love Steve Miller, man. Yeah, I, yeah, a couple months ago, Everybody Bob Everybody has their flaws and their musical taste. And yours is that you like Steve Miller. <laughs> oh, my God. This show has already gone off the rails. We started talking to Bob about things he does. Now we are ready into Steve Miller and Van Halen. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's pull the reins in. Let's get back to the interview portion of our programming. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> That means that everybody's going to love this. So even my mom is mystified. Oh, what a train wreck this is. My mom is mystified that, you know, that Nick went down in flames on that, by the way. So just saying. All right. So, again, about Kings, more of a country rock band or more of a straight rock band? I know that you've described it before as, you know, if you like Southern rock, you're going to like it. If you like rock and roll, you're going to like it. If you like country, you're going to like it. So how would you describe about Kings as a band? I call us a rock and roll band, you know. We only have one true country song, and then we have a lot of stuff that's very southern rockish, Blackberry Smoke, you know, Litter and Skinner. Um, and then there's some heavier stuff that's, you know, got the drop D tuning and stuff. And um, it's uh, it's just a straight up, almost like a hard rock song, you know. Um, so it's, yeah, a little bit of everything. Like I, it's true, man. If you, if you like country, I think you'll dig it. If you like Southern rock, it's right up your alley. And um, there's a little something for everybody. So, um, and I love it because I'm a Southern rock fanatic, you know? Yes. So, and, you, and I love country. I love good country. And you guys Old were cool country in Europe. We're playing to some massive crowds over in, uh, I think it was Europe or 
uh yeah right it was europe different countries in europe you did like a full tour over there yeah it was the um so this is last summer and we opened up for a guy named andreas gabalier who's um he sings in german he's from austria uh his band is huge in germany and austria you know with the german vocals and stuff and and they're a great great band man he's got a huge band you know three guitarists and then when andreas plays he's like the lead singer but he plays guitar as well so there's sometimes four guitarists wow uh there's uh three horn players there's two female backup vocalists a keyboard player so nobody gets um, paid in this really band. really good they play like yeah they get paid <laughs> i'm just <laughs> saying with that many people they're probably not making that much money money it's like a band of like 50 people it sounds like yeah it's it's probably a, uh, like Derek trucks's band you know, yeah the tedeschi trucks bands like you know 12 people or something but um <laughs> but they're huge they play i mean we played a a show with a hundred thousand people in munich germany wow and they were all there to see this guy you know he's as big as like like u2 or something in germany and austria so we played a lot of places we were playing were like twenty five thousand people some were fifteen thousand people like you know the size of pine knob uh we played a six thousand seater two nights in a row it was a smaller amphitheater um but you know we were opening up for him so they were really there to see us you know but we but we did it you know and uh it was it's something i'll probably never do again and never thought i would in the first place in my lifetime so that was a, it was surreal for me, you know. So it was a blast, and um, but now we like we went back three times to um. So that was in Germany, Austria, mostly, one show in Switzerland, one show in Italy, and that was it. So it's mostly Germany and Austria because they're huge there, and uh, so this year we went back headlining. So we went on April, did three shows, went back in July and did one show and then went back in august and did two shows in and out you know those last two trips were like six day trips and i was back home uh but we're playing like 500 seat places kind of like the token maybe a a little bit bigger a little bit bigger than token you know machine shop kind of like that uh you know 500 600 people um so so obviously there's there's a big difference when you're playing in front of you know, a hundred thousand people and 500 people. And you know, the, the, the way it always is told is that it's harder to play for 500 people because they're right on top of you. Did you get that same sort of vibe? No, I actually prefer the smaller places, the big places are So, I mean, you do see, you see uh, maybe the first 10, 20 rows, you know, but then everybody else is just a sea of people. Um, it's, it's easier than I thought, you know, because you're not really making eye contact with a lot of people except the people in front. So it um, wasn't as I wasn't as nervous as I thought I was going to be the first couple times I was, but then it was pretty easy. And the smaller ones, I, I kind of like having that eye contact, you know, and it's just a little more intimate. You're closer, you know. I actually prefer that. So. So when you, when you're playing for those super large crowds, but as you said, they they came to see this other guy, right? 
like what goes through your head and then what was the like you know do you think like they're gonna eat you alive and boo you off the stage you know or like do you think now we're just gonna go out we're gonna kill it and then what was the crowd's reaction to about kings when you did go out there and play so yeah we just had the attitude we're just gonna go out there and play if they like us they like us if they don't and we can't really help that you know just go out there and do the best we can have fun we'll rock for ourselves you know but um but it went good though like everybody um most people didn't really know who we were and um although not to sidetrack myself but in 2019 the same band but it was a different singer mario our singer was playing rhythm guitar and they had a singer who sang in germany austrian and they did a record with that guy singing so then after that, Mario decided he, um, I think the producer who produced that album said, Mario, you know, you should do an album in English, you know. So Mario went, did a whole new album. Um, it was all Nashville cats who played on the record, you know, studio guys. And Kent Wells was the producer who's uh, Dolly Parton's guitarist for one. He played with the Oak Ridge Boys in a bunch of bands over the years. Um, he's a monster guitarist and he produced tons of legendary country artists in nashville so he did the album for mario and stuff but he told mario he should do an english version so uh so when we were out there last year and um with andreas he's singing in english you know and it was a whole different band pretty much and uh so nobody really knew who we were so they were kind of like okay who are these guys you know and then they um but as we we're playing you see people out there you know dancing and stuff and they clapped and stuff you know it seemed like they were kind of digging it. So, you know, nobody threw anything at us, you know. Well, that's half the battle. That's good. So that's, yeah, that's that's a good sign. But uh, overall, yeah, it was, I mean, we got, you know, a pretty good response. So it was cool. It was cool. Awesome stuff. Nick, what do you got for, for Bob on that end? I've been trying to text you and write you, but you haven't been seeing it. So, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have my phone. off your text. Yeah, right. That's what it is. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm pulling the Bob Tyrell and just ignoring my phone. Um, oh, please. We have legendary stories about Bob's phone and how it just gets ignored. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, no. So, Bob, you know, you, you've, you've played around, around Detroit for thirty plus years. I mean, you were in bands long before you kind of got into the tattoo world and and everything has this been a different 40 years 40 years has it been a different experience to to play this style of stuff because you were more more of a metal guy in in detroit you, the bands you had here were more rooted in hard rock and metal so are you approaching this band different in terms of your playing i know you're a big southern rock fan so i know it's kind of always been in your blood but uh it's different than the stuff you used to play around detroit yeah, the biggest difference is uh, is my guitar tone. You know, I, I play a lot cleaner with this band. Where with metal stuff, it's full on EVH fifty one fifty three. You know, and Marshall fucking JVM four ten H. You know, that's have ton of gain on them and, and metal. I, I played metal bands since I was about twenty three. Well, in high school, I played in wasn't metal, but it was. So we were playing all the stuff that we were into, like Black Sabbath, Deep Purple. Van Halen, Rush, um, ACDC, and Leonard Skinner, even stuff like that. That's all stuff I was into. Um, 
the, you know, like bands like UFO and, um, you know, Thin Lizzy I was into, but we didn't play any. Uh, but UFO and Michael Shanker, I didn't really get into until after high school, which I don't know how that happened because Michael Shanker is now one of my favorite guitarists of all time. You know? Yes. But um, so I played, you know, rock, hard rock, you know, Montrose from the first record and all that stuff. Rain, Rainbow. Um, and then um, when I was 18, I all of a sudden became a huge Southern rock fanatic in my senior year in high school. So then Leonard Skinner became my favorite band, you know, um, I mean, along with T purple and, and, uh, Sabbath and Van Halen and stuff. But, um, so right when I graduated high school, we formed a Southern rock band with my future brother-in-law and some friends, my buddy from high school and a couple other guys. And for about a year and a half, we played this one bar every fucking weekend, except Thanksgiving and Christmas, maybe like, Maybe it wasn't every single weekend, but it felt like it was for like a year and a half solid. And we played, it's called Iron Horse, and we played 100% Southern rock only. So we did like six Alma Brothers band songs, seven Skinner songs, six Blackfoot songs, six Molly Hatchet songs, a couple Marshall Tucker band songs, uh, Outlaws, Greengrass and High Tides and stuff, and uh, nothing but Southern rock. And it, it, it was fucking a blast, man. It was so much fun. Um, and then after that, I did that 18, 19. When I was 20 years old, I joined a blues band. It was straight up blues. And after that, I joined a straight up country band. It was really weird, man. This period when I'm young, I should be playing fucking metal. Right. This is 1981, 82, 83, you know. So finally around 83, 84, um, I got, we formed a metal band again. And then it was uh, all through my, from 84 on. This is, I was like 24. And then so the rest of the 80s into the mid 90s, I was playing nothing but, you know, it was pretty much, it was three different metal bands I was in. Um, but I, so like, as far as playing in bands, I'd rather play in a metal band more than anything else, you know. Um, but I love everything, you know. So anyway, like we're doing a, I'm doing a down tribute. Right. I was, uh, that was to, the um, next thing I was going to bring up. But, okay. So going back, you know, playing with the Balkans, it's, um, it's, I love it, you know, because I love, uh, uh, Skinner's like almost my favorite band of all time, you know? So I'm um, playing in that style and with that cleaner guitar tone that I'm kind of not used to at this point in my life. Um, it's uh, it's it's refreshing, you know, and it's fun, and this, they're really well written songs. I love them, so it's uh, so it was easy, easy transition. And then the thing about playing with the Detroit, cleaner guitar play, tone, yeah. uh, think about playing with a cleaner guitar tone, though. You and I both know this; it forces you to play better. You have to. Yeah, you know, there's um, you can't hide your mistakes as well. Right. No. Nope. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it forces you to yeah to fucking be on your a game you know yeah metal you can you can you know you can get you away can't with just a throw on more. a delay pedal and be like i dirty. meant that yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, you've been you did guitar you were fighting for the dream in detroit through the 80s the early 90s etc and so forth and then what brought you into the tattoo world 
Uh, you know, it's I um I'd wanted a tattoo since I was like 19 years old, and there was one guy in high school at that time that had a tattoo. But another friend, right after he graduated, he joined the Marines, and we would see him when he came home, like you know, for the holidays and whatever. And every time he came home, he'd have more and more work on him, and he was he was getting like almost like a sleeve going. It's all continuous stuff, not like a a tattoo here, a tattoo there, like a lot of Marines, you know, especially back then. This is 1981, 82, 83. And I'm like, man, that's cool, man. I want to get a tattoo. And then and I actually used to go into shops every couple of years uh, throughout the the 90s. And um, no, I'm sorry, throughout the 80s. Oh. <clears throat> Excuse me. Michelob Ultra makes you burp, you know. The beer of champions. Um, yes. Yeah. You didn't so anyway, make that for men? Uh, <laughs> I probably made it for women, but uh, but I'm drinking. <laughs> they make it for women and people that don't want to get fat, like me, you know. Oops. I don't want to be the fat guy in the band. <laughs> so, so long anyway, story continue, short, please. You know, I went into... I went into shops, you know, every couple of years, and I thought you had to pick something off the wall. I was going into all the wrong shops, just little shops with shitty artists or whatever. So finally, I was turning 30, and I'm like, I'm going to get my first tattoo before I turn 30, man. This is ridiculous. I waited too long. So I went into the what turned out to be the worst shop in town, which was right <laughs> by my house, and I got my first tattoo. And I found, uh, I was looking through the books. They had these books on the table. And there was this little sketch of Eddie from Iron Maiden. And I didn't see anything else I liked. Okay, I'll get Eddie. Okay, cool. Um, so I got it. It was fucked. It's scabbed, <laughs> giant cookie scabs that were like that fucking thick. Uh, and uh, But I was just thrilled to have a tattoo. Um, so I ended up finding Eternal Tattoos and got my second tattoo. and ended up getting work from those guys. And I got completely hooked like a lot of us do that kind of happened to you and Nick a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I discovered tattoo magazines and then I saw an article on Paul Booth who is, uh, who had, it was his first article in a magazine. Cause at this point I was, um, I discovered tattoo magazines, you know, and I'm like, Oh my God, like Paul Booth's doing horror stuff, monsters and demons and skulls like nobody else I, I had seen. I'm like, that's exactly the kind of stuff I want. And so I got in touch with them and went out and got a full back piece from Paul. He did it two days in a row. It's a big, giant demon head with demons growing out of that head. Typical Paul Booth, you know. And uh, so I was just completely hooked. I ended up going six months later, got my whole left sleeve done from Paul. Then Mario Barth, the singer in About King's band, um, he's he was in 1996 when he tattooed by arm did a whole sleeve. Uh, he was like one of the best in the world and he still is one of the best in the world. But uh, he was really well known back then. I, that's, I discovered him through magazines, tattoo magazines. And uh, I wasn't even tattooing yet, you know? So I two full sleeves, full back piece. I got back into drawing and was taking classes at Macomb Community College, you know, taking one class a semester at night, two nights a week, you know, cause I had a day job making kitchen countertops, which I did for 15 years. Um, so, and then I, I finally got an apprenticeship with Eternal Tattoos, uh, in 1997 when I was 34. 
So I got to quit my job making countertops, which I don't miss at all, <laughs> and started tattooing. <laughs> you know, uh, that's and now awesome. since then, I, I, I don't have to work anymore. I can tattoo. But <laughs> it's funny reality, that you put it that way. Is... You don't have to work anymore. You just have to tattoo. That's awesome. Right. You know, Bob and I have gone guitar shopping before. And I'm I was the the peer applying the pressure uh, because it's you know, it's what you do. And uh, in fact, we were at Sam Ash in, in New York City and, and we found a nice uh, a white Les Paul custom for him that he wound up taking home. And he's like, man, should I do this? Uh, you know what? It's only two tattoos. <laughs> so, like, you weigh things in how many tattoos you need to do in order to pay for it. That's kind of cool. Yes, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. It's like, oh, that's yeah. I just bought a brand new truck like three weeks ago, and my payment's like a thousand and fifty a month, you know. And I'm like, well, fuck, it's just one tattoo, you know. And I, I fuck off so much. I, I could work so much more, you know. But Nick knows you know, yes. how many concerts I go to and stuff. And usually in summertime, you know, I do two tattoos a week at best. A lot of times, no tattoos a week, but I, I right, make just enough to pay Bob, my bills. Because Bob doesn't want to miss, you know, REO Speedwagon on the riverfront for the 18th time. <laughs> That's partially true, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, that's like, all going to yeah, lead to the second half of, of uh, concert albums that we're going to talk about yeah. with Bob. But let's go back to the tattooing thing. Now, obviously, we're, we're joking around because we are friends with Bob. I, Bob, I've known you for 15 years now, something like that. And I, that I, know, I know Mike because of Bob. Exactly. So, so it's, it's, it's pretty crazy well, uh, how this. Those I, of you that like this show, blame Bob. Yep. It's this guy's fault right down there. It's his fault. Um, so <laughs> sorry guys and girls, sorry about that. <laughs> um, but with all that said, you know, let's, let's take a look at, I, I put together a little slideshow of some of, uh, some of what I feel are, are some of your best pieces. Of course, artists are hypercritical of their work and you're going to find something wrong in every one of these, I'm sure. But for those of you that don't know what this looks like, and those of you that are listening to the podcast version of this, this part will make no sense to you at all. I'm sorry about that. This is very visual. This is not audio, but we're going to show you some things here and we're going to talk about them. We'll be as descriptive as possible for the podcast people that listen to this after the show. So I'm adding now to the stage a slideshow. Slide number one. This is one of my favorite tattoos I've ever seen from you. And it's Rob Halford, 80s, 1980s Rob Halford. The reason why I love this is because the, uh, the detail of the, even the sweat that you tattooed in this particular piece of art is just so hyper-realistic. I've showed it to people that go, oh, that's a really cool photograph. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing. He's... You, the... Uh, like Mike's saying, the detail in, in the tattoos is really where everything comes together. And uh, for those that have or haven't been tattooed by Bob, you know that he likes to do the the things like the eyes and things at the end because that's really what makes it pop. When your arm is throbbing and you can't take any more, that's when Bob <laughs> wants to do the finest needle and the thinnest point and in the worst spot on your on your tattoo. That's when he wants to do it. But then you get details like like you're saying here with the sweat. It's Bob, those white highlights, in? man. 
Yes. Who did you do this one on, and how long ago did you do this one? I did this one on a friend of mine, Steve Peace. He's from Calgary, Canada, and uh, he's an amazing, amazing tattooer. He does a lot of photorealistic color portraits, and he's a biggest Priest Iron Maiden fan in the world. And he follows Priest around, like when they're on tour. He uh, he comes to the states, and he, he'll go to like five or six shows on a tour, and go to different cities and see him in his hometown, Calgary. But uh, biggest priest fan I know, to be honest. Nice. So I did that on him. Uh, let's see. You, know. you also get a lot of people asking for photorealistic animals and things of that nature. This one is a, a gorgeous tattoo of a lion. Um, I, I mean, just the 3D sort of look to this. It, I mean, it looks like a real fucking lion. <laughs> <laughs> Thank it's you, so bro. crazy. Do, do you enjoy tattooing animals? I mean, you know, the I actual love... picture, not the people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, man, I love uh, doing animal portraits. It's one of, actually one of my favorite things to do. Um, like, I always say doing dog portraits is one of my favorite things to do because like, I'm a big dog lover. You know, but doing lions, anything with fur, you know, tigers. And um, um, the only... Um, animal, you know, reptiles is, a, you know, it's, it's, I guess what you call them animals. I mean, they're reptiles. Yeah. You know, lions, lions are mammals, right? Yes. Yes. So they don't, um, they don't lay reptiles, eggs. Reptiles lay they eggs. Don't lay eggs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, oh, look at this gigantic you know, lion egg. It's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything right, that lays eggs. On. All right, so oh, this one, this is you. The one thing that I yeah. found really interesting is that people like to get tattoos of you. I don't. Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> I mean, you're a handsome motherfucker, What's wrong but, with... <laughs> but but this What's is wrong like with those people, right? But this is no. you in a very different state of being. You actually have a whole bunch of pus, uh, pustules all over your face. You're the undead, and then it looks like you have a mouth for your neck. Oh, yeah, that's my tattoo on my neck. Paul Booth tattooed that on me. Oh, so it is your, your uh, um, gotcha, okay. <laughs> it's an actual tattoo, yeah. Uh, before my big beard. Yeah, because um, now you can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah exactly you've been you. working on that beard a while now how long has that thing been growing uh since uh they closed the bars march 15 2020 for the pandemic <laughs> so there you go so. that's truly a true pandemic beard yes it the is. ultimate the you ultimate the, pandemic beard <laughs> still if the going. pandemic didn't happen if the pandemic didn't happen i I'm sure I wouldn't have this beard. So that's one good thing that came out of the pandemic. Um, one good thing. Well, you and Carrie King are having a length contest as far as beards at this point. So, yeah, I haven't seen Carrie in a while, man. Yeah, I miss I that guy. We all miss him. I haven't seen him since before the pandemic either. Um, yeah. Speaking of rock and rollers, Ronnie James Dio, given the Maloik as he calls it. My favorite metal singer of all time. Yes. That and Rob Halford, you know, the metal, metal god, Dio. But if I had a gun to my head and said, you got to pick one, I'll have to say Dio. 
All right, now Nick and I have stuff. Nick and I have a running thing with this. All right, when it comes to Black Sabbath, Ozzy or Dio? Ozzy. Boo! But the reason I say that because he's was sound of Black Sabbath for the first six records, you know, yeah. and uh, it's just Ozzy. I mean, who's a better singer? Dio. Oh yeah, and and what and what albums have better material? The the uh, the Dio ones. Ah, Heaven and Hell is a classic. Um, I wouldn't say better material than the early Sabbath, you know. But um, you know, and the the Mob Rules is great. Heaven and Hell is the masterpiece as far as the Dio era goes. As far as Black know. Sabbath goes, it's the masterpiece. Oh my God. Next slide, Jesus. <laughs> All right, this, I mean, for anybody who likes a Christmas story or anything like this, I mean, this is a great. You, you got, Love you got this one. Love Ralphie it. Ralphie with the bar of soap. You got the leg lamp and everything. Everything's going on in here. This is pretty awesome. So what was the inspiration for this? Um, I think he just loved the movie like I do. You know, that's, that's, I love this tattoo just because I love that movie. And when he asked me to do it, I'm like, I, got, I was excited, you know. And uh, you had to get the leg lamp in there. That was such a classic scene in the movie. <laughs> um, but, you know, I love Christmas. And, you know, a lot of people aren't big fans of Christmas with all the hectic, all that, you know, just if you have kids and stuff. But uh, And one of my guilty pleasures, and we're going to talk about music and shit, but I'm a huge fan of Christmas music. And every all my, I tell that to my clients when I'm tattooing them, they're like, Really? Like everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, I love the, I love it, love it, man. So, it's, call it a guilty pleasure. I don't know. Guilty you pleasure like it Christmas is. Music? We all have them. This is mine. Star Wars. I mean, I don't know if that's a guilty pleasure. It's just a pleasure. Uh, I love Star Wars, and this this tattoo of Han Solo just gets me every time I see it. The the whole depth of perception. The the you know, uh, the it's just so good. It's so good. Thank you, bro. You know, um, I've never been a Star Wars fan. You know, like when I was a kid and the very first Star Wars came out in, what, 77? Um, I thought it was kind of corny. I was 13 or 14 years old. I was into, like, horror shit. The Exorcist was my favorite movie back in, in the early 70s and stuff. Um, still is my favorite horror movie, actually, if I got to name one. But um, I don't Star Wars, and I love science fiction, love sci-fi movies but uh i don't know why man there's some amount of star wars that I just couldn't fucking couldn't fucking you know latch on to or whatever but uh well this is a great interview is, man, bob I, it's good talking to you and uh you just have yourself a great day now buddy see ya how come you're allowed you're allowed to get rid of him for bashing star wars but he but he picks ozzy over dio and we got to keep going yeah because he's right you know 70% 70% of my friends are Star Wars geeks. Star Wars nerds like you, Mike. Yep. But uh you know, I'll call you nerds because you can. I'm kidding, bro. Dude, nah, everyone you loves can. Star Wars except me it seems like, you know. Look, it's okay. So. Everybody can be wrong on one thing. <laughs> but dude, I, Yeah, I'm wrong on many things. But um I got to tell you, man, I love tattooing Star Wars imagery. You know, I've done it's some cool. Darth Vader's, Han Solo, and I've done uh, I've done two Yodas that I had a absolute blast with, man. So, uh, yeah, I love tattooing that stuff. 
the thing about your yeah. your so, work that really catches me, especially in something like this, or especially with a Yoda, would be like the folds, the 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 crinkles, the the creases in the skin. You know how you're able to make all that just pop with the contrast. It's it's it really is. Like if you painted that and put it on a wall, you know, I mean, like nobody would blink an eye and they'd just be like, wow, that's a beautiful work of art, you know, and you're applying this permanently onto people, which is what I love so much that you're able to put that type of work onto somebody and give them something they can own forever. You know, a piece of art, you know, you can throw a bottle at a wall during a rager and it's done. <laughs> <You know? laughs> All right, no, dude, on. I'm really... I'm really grateful to be able to tattoo and you're, you're kind of changing people's lives. You know, you do a tattoo that they love, they'll have the rest of their life. It's a, yep. it's a special thing. And I'm, to be able to do that for people is a really, really cool feeling. How did, DeVito. Uh, how did Danny DeVito feel about this? <laughs> yeah. That would, I wonder if that'd be cool if he saw it, you know, he'd probably right? be like, why the fuck would anybody get that? <laughs> well somebody was obviously a huge fan and in this one for me again you know like nick and i were talking about earlier the you know right at the end you do those highlights those whites and if you look at the those horn rim glasses i mean look at it that there's just all that light white in there that shows a, a light sourcing it, it looks like somebody was shining a light on the tattoo and it was glistening, but no Bob put all that work in there to really make it pop. And that's what separates the men from the boys in this particular world. I love this man. This is great. I pay Mike to say this guys, by the way. <laughs> no, Mike, I really appreciate that, bro. Now this one, hey. I had to throw in here, had to throw this one in there because I'm such a huge rush fan. And I actually, until today did not know you did this. So no the shit. man himself, the bass master, Getty Lee. And a good friend of mine. Yes, a very good friend of Nick's. He can call him up at any time, day or night, with all of his misery and woes of the day. <laughs> oh, wait, that's They're me. Rushed back together. They're <laughs> rushed back together with Nick on drums. Yeah. yeah. I, heard a, I heard a rumor. There, it's a vicious rumor. <laughs> vicious rumor. Boy, are they going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not yyz we can't get to the z part it's just why yeah nick we were gonna go out with this new drummer but he he can't count past four so all of our songs that are in you know seven and 12 and five I, i'd be screwed on i can't do it oh here's a question for bob will bob tattoo the heat miser and snow miser uh who's that He's Mr. Heat Miser. He's Mr. Oh, Sun. I would get those for sure. That's yeah, the Rankin Bass stuff from back in the day. I have no idea what they are. Ooh, if you saw pictures, you'd know exactly. You would know who for is. sure, Bob. Yeah. You would know. Yeah, but sure, well, the I'll answer is Jerry. The answer, Jerry, is maybe. <laughs> it's Jerry. Let me tell you from experience and knowing Bob, uh, he would absolutely do them. Yeah, if you guys know that Nick, you you know what I like to do. So yeah, yeah, he'll he'll do them, Jerry. If you if you want them. And here's how many more of these we got, Mike. This, this is it. This is the last one. <laughs> last. We're not one. gonna have time to talk about the the records. So. Right, we're going through Bob's entire portfolio on on the show. <laughs> yes, we are. I have another three hundred slides. Are you ready? <laughs> no, this is this is the last one. 
So I wanted to bring something with from a more a more modern band, a more contemporary band into the mold. And, you know, even bands of today, like people are asking for these items. And this is something that Bob did. Again, if you look at the eye work with the with the the extra highlights done in the eyes and such, I mean, it's fantastic. So but Bob, let me ask you this. What's something that you wouldn't do? Like what what type of tattoos or what subject matter would you not tattoo on somebody? Well, I'm not going to do a portrait of Adolf Hitler. Okay, well, that's um, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll do, I mean, you know, I do only black and gray. I did a lot of color when I started my first two or three years. But I have the last color thing Bob did, like in, in the last yeah. 15 years, Bob did this, and he put that little bit of red in there, and that was the only color he had done in a very long time. I'm going to have Bob tattoo something. I had to go down to the basement and dig out a bottle of red ink. It's true. It's true. You just grabbed a can of Sherwin Williams. (laughs) Anything for you, Mike. (laughs) I'll do Um, orange on you, Mike. Yes, thank you. I want orange everything. And something that rhymes with orange, too. Get it? Nothing rhymes with orange. Anyway. uh, So what uh, of all the things, of all (laughs) the tattoos that you've done, if you had to pick like two or three that were your favorites that you ever did, what would they be? Man, you know, when people ask me, it's a hard answer because there's there's a lot in it. I'd have to really sit and think about it. There's one, though, that I always say, and everybody says the same thing to me. Man, that Willie Nelson portrait you did, you know, it's... So, you know, one of my favorites, and I'm like, you know, that is, that's one of my favorite portraits I think I've done. Um, you know, honestly, the one I did at Nick, the John Bonham, that's one of my that's favorites because one. John Bonham, oh, there you go. I'm trying to get it in the, the shot. There we go. Now you the did. Symbol there. on the bottom there. Um, which, John Bonham which... is my favorite drummer of all time. So that, those that's those one. things that Bob adds, like we were talking about the highlights and stuff. When I told him I wanted to get Bonham, and we were trying to find a good picture and stuff, he came up with, "Let's we can put these rings in." And if you notice, my skin is the rings. Like he did the black around it, which made it. It just makes it pop so so uh, so incredibly. Use of yeah, negative it's... space. Yes, negative space. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah this that's is a lot a, cooler than doing them solid black. This yes. is the one that yeah. I got from uh, Bob, and we 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 uh, coordinated on this one, and because uh, Bob really likes doing, if I remember correctly, you like doing the monster skulls, but I wanted something different. So as opposed to doing a monster skull with the teeth, I said I want tentacles like the face hugger from Alien. So we came up with this kind of combo, kind of combo thing, which still looks super awesome. So kind of like little claws or something. Yeah, they're like they're like face hugger talons or whatever you want to call it. But uh, (laughs) that's all cool stuff. So, uh, Bob, if anybody wants to get tattooed by you, should they (laughs) should they even try? Should they even bother? (laughs) Or or how if they do, how can they get in touch with you to try? Uh, You know, the best if you want to set up an appointment. You know, the the best thing is to email me. Uh, My email is. Bob at BobTyrell.com. Everybody spells my last name wrong, so it's B-O-B at B-O-B-T-Y-R-R-E-L-L.com. 
Uh, you can go to my Instagram. It's just at Bob Tyrell, all one word, two R's and two L's and Tyrell. Um, you could send me a DM on Instagram if you want. Um, but the best thing is email. And if you don't, if I don't get back to you, don't feel bad about bugging me because I suck with the email. Um, so, you know, you can even just forward the same email every week or two. And if, if I keep seeing it, I'll be like, oh, wait. I got to get back to that guy or girl. You know? Just just a little asterisk here. I just want to tell you guys, the last time I was with Bob and he pulled his phone out, he had 48,000 unread emails. Just I just want to throw that out there. Now it's 80-something. <laughs> oh, Jesus! I swear to God, it's 80-something right now. But no, but a lot of that... A lot of that you know, it's gone. spam. It's, it's bullshit, yeah. 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 The funny thing is, though, like, if I email Bob, I get an email back. Like, hey... Bob, do you want to go to Nam? Yeah, man. Thanks, buddy. I'll, uh, you know, all right, cool. <laughs> <You know? Right. laughs> so he will return them. They, they yes. eventually get returned. So. Yes, yes, always. <laughs> but that, my main thing is black and gray. And I, I love doing skulls, monsters, anything horror related, and any kind of realism, you know, animals, your pets, your cats, your dogs, um, you know, family members and stuff like that. And, uh, and uh, any kind of wildlife and stuff, you know, just any cool black and gray stuff, you know. Jeff Henderson says, stuff. Jeff Henderson says he's my favorite tattoo artist, and the guy could not have been cooler at the Death Angel show at the Whiskey. Oh man, right on, brother. Jeff is also known as the Seven Foot Idiot. He's very, very, very tall. <laughs> and thanks for watching the show, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate yeah, it. Jeff. Love you. Jeff just got a new that was dog, a fun so night. I'm happy for him. Um, I remember so, that night, man. That was a blast. So moving on, let's get to the last part of the show here. And one of the other reasons why we brought Bob on, it's because we're going to put together a list of what we feel. Again, it's not a top anything. It might be 10. It might be 20. It might be 25. It might be six. It's not a top thing. These are our opinions. I ranked mine. Because you're an ass. I... I <laughs> I had I had forty off the top of my head, so I took it down to ten. Trying to be a team player. I didn't even finish the sentence, but okay. Well, it's important. Yeah. It's important to note. Yeah, you can note that, that after I'm done. Thank you. So I just I pulled a you. <laughs> no, no, you can't pull a me. You don't have a big beard. Oh wait, you do. Uh, so <laughs> we all have beards. Bigger than yours. Yeah, damn right, and that's okay. I don't mind if that's bigger than mine. That's about it, though. Oh, his uh, beard as well. No. <laughs> so anyway, this is a list. A list. We are guiding you through the top live albums ever. And I don't know how many we're going to do. We're just going to talk about them. I don't have a number. But Nick obviously ranked his, and he's going to start from 356 and work his <laughs> way up. I think we should work on your top 10, Nick. How about that? I got 10. I got <laughs> 10. Yeah, you got you got forty ten. Well, here's one thing I want to point out too before we start uh, that that and I did this out of respect for you, Mike. I left off. There is no Bruce Springsteen in my top ten, and there is no Grateful Dead because you could make a Grateful Dead top ten on its own just from top the 40. year nineteen seventy two. So 
I took the dead out completely because it just wouldn't be fair to all the rest of these artists if I left the dead in there. So um, I removed them out of respect for you and just, uh, you know, out of respect to these artists, honestly, because I don't want them to just not be able to live up to the top 10 dead shows. So sure. Good okay. call, Nick. Good call. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get this party started. We're going to start with our honored guest, Bob Tyrell. And we're going to go round. We're going to go round, Rob. And we'll go clockwise here on the screen. So then Bob, then me, then Nick. And we're just going to list them and why you think these albums belong on this list. So, Bob, give us your first pick. Okay. I'm going to pull up pictures. And... <laughs> we're getting, we are getting visual oh, aids. Okay, so... <laughs> this list will have an asterisk now. <laughs> okay, now, look, guys, for one thing, like you guys are saying, you know, I can't do a top 10. I need a top 25 at the very least, but more like a top 50, you know. And so, coming into this, I did my top 10, and I, uh, I numbered them too, Nick, as well, you know. Cause, uh, but with that said, the stuff I'm going to talk about... um. It's not really in any completely set order. I could do it again tomorrow and it'll be different. You know what I mean? Yes. But I, yeah. I had to put them in, a, in order, so that's what I did. So, um, and listen, so I'm kind of a dinosaur, you know. I'm going to be 61 years old a couple months. And I, uh, I'm i kind of going over the stuff that I grew up with as a kid. And I'm talking about vinyl records I bought as a kid. And I was super into live albums, you know. I'm talking about, you know from 12 to 18 years old, you know, when you're impressionable youth years, you know, so this, everything I'm going to name is stuff that's more near and dear to my heart than anything else, you know? So it's, it's all 70s stuff, you know, and Nick will agree with this shit because he knows what's up. He yes. The best taste of music of anybody, you know, besides myself, you know, Thank we you. all think we, are, we have the best taste of music, you know, Mike, you have the best taste of music, you know, do I, you don't. I can in tell your, you that in right your now. eyes, you do, right? In my I'm eyes, about, I do, yes. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So, I'll, okay, I'll quit jibber-jabbering. So, I'm going to go with this as my number 10. Ah, all the world's Great a one. stage. Great one. Any so, oh. And the reason for this, man, is because, you know, I, I love early Rush stuff. And when I was a kid, I, you know, I, I was listening to that stuff from the beginning, so... They were more of a hard rock band, you know, and they got slowly more progressive as they went on. And um, I was a huge Rush fan in high school, junior high and high school. And so I saw Rush in 1977 for the first time at Cobo Arena, where everybody played in the 70s. Kiss recorded, Kiss Alive, blah, 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 you know, Bob Seger, live album recorded there. Um, so I saw them in 77 with the Runaways opening up. And... Uh, it was phenomenal, but that that tour that I saw them was the tour they were touring for this live album. So it wasn't the twenty one twelve tour; it was the next tour when this album came out. And the, this record itself is from the twenty one twelve tour, you know. Yeah. And so it's all the old stuff from twenty one twelve and before. And um, twenty one twelve is my favorite Rush album of all time, still, you know. And uh, seeing them for the first time and. Uh, you know, when you're 13 years old, whatever, it's like larger than life. You know, 77 was my first big year of going to concerts. I saw Led Zeppelin and fucking 
you know, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of fucking bands that year. And um, so this is a really special album for me. So I'm going with that for number 10. Nice. Good choice. Um, uh, funny enough, uh, building on that, this is the first one I'm going to pick is Exit, Exit Stage, Stage Left. Left. Ooh, so, okay. Because for me, you know, I mean, uh, as far as a live album goes, uh, All the World's a Stage is great because it's so raw. Like, you know that was recorded live. You know there are not overdubs on that thing. You, It is raw, right? The yep. thing I like about Exit Stage Left is it's a little more polished and it's a wider retrospective of what was Rush's basically best era ever. It's everything from the first album through moving pictures. Yes. And it's all the best songs from all of those albums, including the medleys that they do and what have you. But for me, the shining, shining star of that, of this whole thing is two things. First of all, it's the drum solo, Neil Peart's drum solo on exit stage left was just like, that's the one that you measured everything else by at that point. Right. The one on all the world's stage is great. But that one on Exit Stage Left, you measured against everything else. And the live version of Red Barchetta on Exit Stage Left is bulletproof. It yes. is so good. Like, it's just energy, energy, yep. energy. So, for me, that's why I picked that in my number 10 slot. That's a great choice, bro. Yep. Yeah, both both are essential. Uh, like I was saying, I wasn't joking. I did have 40 right off the top of my head that I that I wrote down. And then I had to, I was telling Mike before we started, it was like I had to go, what are the 10 that I can't live without? Like, what yeah. are the 10 that had the biggest impact on my life? And uh, All the World's a Stage was close to the top 10, but it, it just barely missed it. Um, I, in fact, I put this one over it. Uh, Jimi Hendrix Band of Gypsies, great one. Um, oh, to me, I, I think I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's the Fuck. it's the ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate Hendrix. Uh, I prefer the Band of Gypsies with with um, Buddy Miles and Billy Cox to the Experience, uh, just because they got real. Uh, funky and just dug in and dirty. Of course, machine guns on here. Uh, they do changes by Buddy Miles with Buddy Miles on lead vocals. And I think Hendrix just playing at his absolute best. Nothing against the Experience albums and the, the live stuff from that era because it's great too. But to me, if somebody says, what is the best example of Jimi Hendrix, I pick Band of Gypsies. Great choice, bro. Man, I, that would have been on my list, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Bob, it's He's your my turn. favorite guitarist of all time. Yes, right. You know? Great. That's, yeah, fuck. Well, I'm glad you got that in there. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of time to put this together, so I'm grabbing stuff off the top of my head, you know? That's all good. And by the way, mine's, when I say that was my 10 spot, that wasn't necessarily number 10. It's just we're going from 10 to 1. Yeah. But it's my rankings are not rankings. They're just things I like. Mine as well, bro. Same thing. You're up, Bob. Bob, up. Oh. All right, where am I at here? Um, okay, so for number nine, I got stuff mixed up here. I changed shit around a little bit. So number nine, um, I went with Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Live bullets and 
Let me hit this so it doesn't fucking shut off. <laughs> Just killing time, fellas, yo. <laughs> Anybody got to go take a piss? Uh, okay. Uh, so, Nick, how about them? Uh, <laughs> how about them lions? Yeah, no. How about it? Don't let's not let's not even go down that path. Let's talk about Nick Chubb's knee for a second. Yeah, anyway, let's not. Oof. Yes, or oh, Aaron yeah. Rodgers' Achilles. Let's not talk about that. Or J.K. Dobbins' Achilles. Okay, I'm back. All right, go okay. ahead, bro. So anyway, that's, wait, that ain't wait. It. You that, went to the was, wrong one, that bro. A, that was a different one. There we go. So this came out in 1976. Um, it's early Bob Seger. It's everything up to the the Beautiful Loser record that came out in 75, um, which is a great album. But it's um, I saw Seger on the tour after this album was recorded. But it's at Cobo Arena again, you know, special place for me. Um, I, Bob Seger is from Ann Arbor, Michigan. But we all just say he's from Detroit, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he opens up with Ike and Tina Turner's Nutbush City Limits, does a smoking version of that. And just the whole record, you know, the whole show from front to back was just phenomenal. Um, Drew Rabbit on guitar, it's, he's kind of an underrated guitarist for me. I, I, I love, he's a great guitarist, you know, real tasteful guitarist, man. His whole band was great, you know. The song Turn the Page, you know, that that song became a huge hit from that recording. You know, that's probably his, one of his most, like, famous songs in his career. And Night you, Moves is another one. And stuff. You, you just brought up Drew Abbott. I actually, about 10 years ago, I got to interview Drew Abbott for something, and I asked him about Live Bullet. And I said, you know, because there's always the debate about the overdubs on the record and stuff. And he said there's there was one thing that he went in and fixed in the studio where he was in, in one of the solos, the guitar was out of tune. So he went in and overdubbed that, but he was like, other than that, that record is a hundred percent live. He's like, we were that tight. We were that set. We had been playing for like eight or nine months, you know, six nights a week. So by the time they got to Kobo to record that, he's like, we, we were raring and ready to go. And, and he's like, I think it shows on there. You know, I mean, that's maybe, the most essential Detroit record that there is, you know, in my, in yeah. my mind is live bullet, you know? So, uh, and it was yep, on my, for, for what it's worth, that was no, that was number two on my list. Somebody said they missed right on, it. Bro. I don't know what they're talking about. What did you miss? <laughs> We're here. <laughs> All right. Bob Seeger and the silver bullet band. That's what she missed. Your turn, there Mike. you go. Iron Maiden, oh, live yes. after death. Oh, yes. Got to have that in there. Good the one. thing that I love about this album is not just the album. Um, when I was a kid growing up, like this was the my first real exposure to Iron Maiden was Power Slave. So like it was the imagery from Power Slave. Then I worked my way backwards, and then Live After Death came out, and I'm like. Wow, this is amazing. So I got the album. The thing I loved, like I would listen to the album all the time, but for me, it was the the insert 
the 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 program, if you will, that was in there where they talk about every date they played. It was listed every piece of equipment they used, everybody that was on the tour. It was such an in-depth booklet. And I have a copy of it. It's it's amazing just to read through. I still read through it. And it, just seeing like Adrian Smith's gear and, and Dave Murray's gear. And I was like an up and coming, <laughs> up and coming guitarist. Not really, but uh, I was just starting to really get into guitar. So I'm seeing like, oh, they have these Lado strats. Oh, what's a Lado strat? And of course, there's no internet. So you had to go scouring through magazines to find a company Lado that makes strats. Uh, you know, you, you see like, you know, Dave Murray's 57, you know, Fender Strat and like all these other things that you learn about Nick, Nickel McBrain's kit broken down by size of drum and by size of cymbal. That I took mean, two pages just to do yeah, that. It, it was it was fantastic just to see all that and see all the work that went into making this tour happen and then seeing the video of it on top of it like mind-blowing so for me it was a real big part of my my childhood growing up and to me it is still one of my favorite live albums of all time so amazing yeah. choice. choice amazing bro. choice nick all right my next one uh this uh, this i think is another example of just incredible guitar playing a show uh, uh, an artist i'm very um sad i never got to see in person and even more envious to mr bob tyrell who i know was at this show because it was recorded at harpo's in detroit michigan gary moore we want more i forgot about that one too god damn it <laughs> uh we want more just phenomenal front to back it does have stuff from um from hammersmith uh in london as well with ian pace on drums another one of my heroes uh but my dad was at this show uh bob was at the show and everybody that was there tells me it was uh, it was a complete master class in the instrument so oh uh, nice. dude that was so good so good man i thought ian pace played the detroit show too no it was uh it was billy squire's drummer I forget what his name is, but if you look in the credits, the Harpo's uh, show had the guy from Billy Squire on drums, and then the London show had Ian Pace. Okay, wow. I learned something new today. <laughs> All right, Bob, you're up. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you got that in there. I fucking forgot, man. Okay, what's next? Um... Okay, so for number eight, I went with this one. Like I said, they're really not in total order or anything, but I knew somebody was going to pick this one. Yep. So yep. yeah, I'm just a huge Lizzie fan, Thin Lizzie, and uh, that record. They were, um, it was the classic lineup with you know Brian Robertson on guitar, and, you know with Scott Gorham, um, and. Uh, you know, um, Brian Downey on drums and stuff. But uh, it's just a great, it was from the, I believe that was the Johnny the Fox tour, wasn't it? Yes. And, um, you know, it was, so Jailbreak came out, Johnny the Fox came out like later that same year, right? 76, like at, yes. at the end of the year. Um, but it's just it's Lizzie at their best. They were like, um, just, firing on all cylinders you know what i mean um 
super tight. It's just a great, great set list and everything. I just, I love Lizzie, so I had to throw them in there. You know, it's a great, it's an iconic live album. And, and, so, what, and what a cover. Phil, Phil Linet just looking like an absolute badass on the cover of that. I mean, oh, yeah. what more? Like, if you've never heard Thin Lizzie and then you see that cover, you're like, well, this has got to be fucking great. I mean, look at this, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, right. it's kind of crazy that, like, you know, how sad it was that his, you know, his production, the output is limited, but the influence that he had on everybody, you know, as a bass player and a singer, you know, just whether you were a guitarist, a drummer, a bass player, singer, didn't matter. Thin Lizzy influenced you. Phil Lennett it influenced you. you know? Yes. And as a totally. person of color on top of it, you know? Yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah. real, real trailblazer yeah. in so many ways. And I actually don't <laughs> think, you know, people always talk about what an amazing front man he was in and lyricist and songwriter. I don't think enough people give him props on his bass playing. His bass playing is fucking outstanding. You know, yeah. like, I, I don't think yeah. enough people bring that up because especially if you listen to Live and Dangerous, the stuff he's playing behind those guitar solos is second to none, man. They And like Bob said, they're just firing on all cylinders, just ferocity at a different level. Yeah, man. So. Yeah. Agreed. Moving on, my next pick is going to be a little bit off kilter. Um, somebody reminded me of this album on, on Facebook, actually, and... Uh, yeah, it needed to be on my list for sure. And that was Duran Duran Arena. And yeah, I mean, it's Duran Duran. That's in your top 10? Well, <laughs> as far as a live album goes, it was pretty damn good, if you ask me. You know, I mean, you got to think about it. Th put it in perspective. This was a band that put out two albums and was so popular that a live album was demanded. Right? When you think about it in that way, and again, when this album came out, this is like 1984. I was 12, you know, like I'm really starting to absorb different types of music. And Duran Duran, you couldn't blink without seeing a, without hearing a Duran Duran song on the radio or seeing it on MTV or what have you. But it also, yeah. on top of that, there was an album track, which is a studio track, Wild Boys, which was produced by Nile Rodgers. And that song shot to the top of the charts instantly as a studio track. So it was the combination of the live stuff. You know, you remember King Biscuit Flower Hour or whatever it is? You know, they had a King Biscuit Flower Hour concert as well that yep. I taped from the radio that I would listen to over and over. And then the, this album came out and like, wow. All right. These guys are good live. Fast forward to 2016. I saw Duran Duran live for the first time. And it was fantastic. I mean, they tore it up. And for even being in their advanced ages at that point, you know, we're talking like 30 plus years removed from when I started listening to them and they just killed it. So, you know, for me, that was that was a, a formational album as well from a live perspective. You know, again, I know it's not normally, you know, it's a little off the beaten path, but for me, it definitely meant a lot. So. I was joking earlier, man. When no, I, you. I was like, I'm, <laughs> no, you. I'm not really. I'm not into. I'm not really into. I've never been into Duran Duran, you know. So I, uh, you know, but uh, but they're great. It's not like I don't like Duran Duran, you know. 
Um, I just never listened to. I never. It wasn't my thing. You know, they wouldn't be in your top ten, is what you're saying. I want Simon Laban right here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because Mike had a had a off the off the beaten path pick for him. I would say because there is a lot of people that would put that record up there for greatest live albums. Um, I picked one that I've been hearing my whole life that I don't think a lot of people would would guess that I would put in the top 10, but it's without a doubt, I think, a masterpiece. And that is Frank Sinatra, Sinatra at the Sands. Recorded this. Recorded this. Recorded in uh, 1962, I believe, um, when everybody thought Frank was born. Everybody thought Frank was going to retire because he was 50. He had just turned 50. So everybody thought he was going to retire. And uh, the band is the uh, Count Count Basie and his orchestra arranged and conducted by Quincy Jones. I mean, you got Frank Sinatra, Count Basie, and Quincy Jones. You know you're in for some stuff. But uh, the recording of it is is, uh, amazing. It, It really does sound like you're in that Vegas showroom and uh, you get the full scope of Frank with his, with his uh, one liners. And he kind of, my, my favorite moment on the album is uh, I forget what song they're going into, but you can hear Frank's telling a story. You can hear the drummers sort of give him like the ride symbol count. And Frank goes, the drummer's going to lead me into this one, hopefully at the right tempo, which is totally oh. a dig at the drummer. Cause he must be playing too fast. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I just I just love that this record, um, and if you've never heard it, it's it's like one of those American just masterpieces. You got you got to hear it front to back. Uh, all the greatest Sinatra tunes are on it, um, and it's it's outstanding. Awesome, I got to hear Bob. it. I haven't heard it yet. All right, Bob, what you got next? Okay, what am I? Uh, we're at number seven. Sure. Number seven. Okay. Yep, that was bound to happen. <laughs> UFO, Strangers in the Night. Yep. That's one of the um, best for sure. Came out ni- yeah, man, it came out in 1979. Um, I believe it was, the, yeah, it was the tour for the Lights Out record, right? Yes. I'm sure. Chicago at the, um, what's the name of that theater? The Vic Theater, not the Vic Theater. Tower Theater. No, that's Philly. No, it's yeah, it's com- so, um, it's comprised from a few shows actually, but yeah, they say it's Chicago, but yeah, it's a few shows. I think I knew that. Yeah, but but anyway, you know. Michael Schenker is one of my favorite guitarists, you know, and the UFO at that point in their career, um, they were at their best, you know, Michael Schenker, um, he wasn't the original, original guitarist, but he, the first time we played on was Phenomenon, and that lineup kind of became the classic UFO lineup, it came out in 1974, I believe, Phenomenon, but Schenker, they, the story I heard was they, Scorpions were on tour with them, and Michael Schenker was like 16 years old, you know, and they did the Lonesome Crow record, the first Scorpions album, and then uh, UFO fucking kind of snatched Michael Schenker and um, got him into UFO. But you listen to um, how he's evolved, like each record, like Phenomenon's a great album, his solos are great. 
but then the next album, Force It, he's he just fucking um, what's the word? You know, he just got a lot better. Raised yeah. the bar, yes. Right, yeah. Between he got so much better, you know, every album. So then, No Heavy Pet, and I think was after that, and he was even better. And then by the when Lights Out came out, he was just kind of fully formed at that point, you know, but, but you could hear the progression of his playing, you know, from each album to the next. And, uh, it was just phenomenal. I mean, he was young. So when you're young, you're still developing and stuff. Um, so the pinnacle of that is this record, you know, they were, and he left the band after this album. Yeah. Well, they did the, ah, um, obsession. The last album was that, did they record that after this record? I think so. Nick, do you know? I think so. I, I think my so. my timeline's a little off with UFO, but I think I think you're right. And shout you to specifically Shanker's guitar playing on "Love to Love" on that record on on "Strangers in the Night" is just fucking next level. Phenomenal, yeah, dude. And of course, it's the rock bottom solo on this record. You know. Yep. Just fucking that. that that's like. The highlight of the album for me is that solo, you know, and then he kept getting better after that, you know. Yes. But uh, that's an important album for me, you know, from the 70s. So it had to be in there. Absolutely. Yeah, I was waiting for one of you two to pick it. And that's why I wasn't gonna because I knew one of you two were going. It was to. it's so uh, just, it was on my list, too. Luckily, yeah. I have enough to rotate out. So, yeah, you have eight, <laughs> 800 live albums on your list. So. All right, my next one, again, off the beaten path, but falling more in line than what Nick just did. And I, I, you know what? I bought this as a joke, and then, because it was like a dollar, and then I listened to it, and it's really, really good. <laughs> it really is. And it's Tom Jones, live in Las Vegas. I mean, live in Las Vegas. <laughs> and, I, I mean, talk about a lineup of songs on this album. Delilah, it's not unusual. And then he does, of course, a bunch of covers. He does Hey Jude, he does Twist and Shout. But it's not just about the songs. It's about this is 1969 in Vegas. This is peak Tom Jones. This is peak throw your panties on the stage and I'm gonna cheat on my wife every three seconds, Tom Jones. <laughs> you know. And he's got swagger. I mean, you could hear it in his voice. And this yeah. is when he was singing in like the normal key and just belted everything it's so good even as sort of a kitschy sort of thing as well but you know what it's that good like i would put it on now like it's that good so yeah. that's why it's on there you couldn't you couldn't fuck good around one. in vegas in the 60s man no. you had too much competition you had uh you had sinatra out there you had sammy davis dean martin uh yep. elvis you know i mean it's like you you couldn't be go to las vegas and be a slouch you had to fucking bring it no you had to bring it huge yeah yeah man plus he had sex with everybody in the audience <laughs> i'm pretty sure guys too <laughs> yeah why not he was tom jones <laughs> um my next one, and Bob, I'm willing to bet this one's on your list. At least I hope it is. Or this is going to be another one where you go, fuck, I forgot about that. Um, highly underappreciated guitar player. Uh, this band that he has on this record is just so tight. Uh, and I love the, the dryness of the recording on this record. I think every song is awesome. They kill the studio versions. And that is Pat Travers, Go For What You Know. Nice. 
Good call. Tommy Aldridge on drums for that one. Sweet. That was going to be in my top ten, and uh, I'm like, shit, I got too much. So if, if you guys wouldn't mind when we're done with all this, can I just give a shout-out? It'll take me 20 seconds. I'm going to oh, rattle yeah. off like eight yeah. records, you know, or something. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. The honorable mentions. Yeah. That should be on the list. Yes. yes. Yeah, right. But uh, so Nick, I'm sorry. There's only so many hours in the day, and we're already off, an hour but... and a half into this. No, I, I don't have anything else to say. I just think uh, I, I think uh, Pat Travers is a ripping guitar okay. player, and no better example than go for what you know. Dude, and Pat Thrall, you know that was a great two guitar combination. Yeah, Pat, Pat Thrall Travers and Pat as well. Thrall on yes. That yeah. Yeah. And uh, most people yeah, know man. Pat Travers from "Boom Boom Out Go the Lights," and the version you know is from that record. Bob, you yes. up? Yeah, you that up. was his first first big hit. I think was that record. I mean that that song on that record. I remember that on the radio. You know, seventy eight, I believe that was. Yeah, seventy eight. But uh, it was recorded in hit, England. Live version of. Oh, okay, that I didn't know. Okay, so for number six, we're at. I'm going with this. Yes. Nice. Had to be on the list. Somebody was going to pick it for sure. And you yeah. have the big-ass big box, box set. set. Man, so I have Jimmy Page went and he remastered everything. And they put, you know, all kinds of uh, hidden students, you know, just alternate versions of songs, whatever. They did one album at a time. I have every single one of those, as I'm sure you do, Nick. Yes. And you might, Mike. Every single one. This one's unopened, as you can see it. I've had it for a few years, haven't opened it. But um, I'll but give anyway, you five dollars. Came out, you know, <laughs> and uh, a happy ending, maybe on top of that. Sure, yeah, <laughs> that's worth at least five more. <laughs> <laughs> a lifetime supply of uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, obviously, uh, Led Zeppelin's one of my favorite bands, you know huge 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 fan um, and especially then you know 1977 and stuff led, led zeppelin were god that was my favorite band in 77 and 78 probably but especially 77 um and then that movie had come out you know but and this is a soundtrack to the movie the song remains the same so i went and saw it in the theater when it first came out and stuff um but forget that just as a live album in itself it's it was recorded. Yeah, the, that movie came out in '77, and this record as well. Um, but uh, it was recorded in 1973 at the Houses of the Holy Tour, as you guys know. You know, and my two favorite Led Zeppelin studio albums of all time are Led Zeppelin Four and Houses of the Holy. That was their fourth and fifth records. Those are my personal favorites. I, it's hard to pick which one I like better. They kind of go hand in hand. If I had a gun to my head, I'm going to say Four. But you almost you, have to. Yeah, you know, but House of the Holy, you got the rain song, you know, the ocean and no the quarter. The same, the song, you know, it's just, you know, top to bottom. It's a fucking masterpiece. And um, so that tour was, uh, you know, and that was recorded in Madison Square Garden and uh, towards the end of the tour. So Plant's voice wasn't in top form, you know, but uh, he still sounds great, you know, but it's uh, um, it's just. 
there's such a different band live than they're in the studio. You know, they're just so much looser. And I don't want to use the word sloppy, you know, but um, like Jimmy Page is playing his solos and stuff. It's just got that loose. It's not sloppy. It's fucking genius. It's raw. It's real. Uh, it's, It's raw and real. And it's quite a bit different than the studio. You know, the studio is a whole different animal for Jimmy Page. And he produced, Jimmy Page produced all those records and just a genius. I can't stress how much of a genius Jimmy Page is. Um, but that album, man, the, the half hour long version of Dazed and Confused. Yeah. You know, it, it, the, it's just a masterpiece. And Jimmy Page using a violin bow, you know. And then you got John Bottom, his solo in Moby Dick, you know, and he's playing with his hands, you know. Yes. And stuff. It's just a, this. Everything about that record, you know, it's just a, it's a masterpiece, you know. That was a live album that launched so, a thousand. Bands. I gotta have that in my yes. top ten for sure. No doubt. Yeah, and I agree with you, Mike. I mean, that's because yeah. for until they did how the West was won in two thousand three, that was really the only you know official live document of of led zeppelin so a lot of people that was the only way you heard live led zeppelin for 30 years was houses of the whole or uh, i'm sorry song remains the same and uh it, it, I love the film of that because yeah. Led Zeppelin are like they're like superheroes almost because you there's not a lot of footage of them and there's not you know the, a lot of these other bands that are their contemporaries there's endless amounts of stuff that you can dig into the Stones um, you know McCartney and the Who and all of that with Zeppelin that's really you got that and like the Danish concert and and then Earl's Court and and uh, uh, Royal Albert Hall. Other than that, you don't really have anything in its nothing in its official. In, yeah. Yes, yeah, nothing official. Exactly. Yeah, there was crap tons of bootlegs, crap tons of yeah. bootlegs. That was my exposure to most. I mean, I had Song Remains the Same as a kid, of course, but all the bootleg stuff. You know, the tour over Europe four <clears throat> album box that I bought for like twenty bucks back in the day, and then somebody stole it from me, and now it's worth like hundreds. You know, like all those bootlegs were awesome and it was really how you heard the songs like bob said not in the studio way in a very it's a different interpretation of the song uh and it gives you a different feel to it overall so yeah i mean led zeppelin live affected a lot of people even if you never saw them and i hate bob because he saw them Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, i brag about that all the time oh yeah uh my next one is uh again a little off the beaten path but in a different way and it is boing will do it live by the aristocrats that's a surprise oh yeah i love the aristocrats now the funny thing about the aristocrats if you don't know every band every member of the band their initials are the same so it's guthrie govan marco miniman brian beller and they all i don't know i just found that to be a really weird part of it but they are wonderkins on their instruments i mean guthrie govan is is you can't even touch that guy with a 10-foot pole the 20-foot pole this is the guy that obviously grew up in his mother's basement and all he did was play guitar um he's just amazing fluid like when he gives interviews he's like like shredding as he's just talking to you like i'm talking right now he's just like whittling away like crazy brian beller one of the best bass bass players i've ever heard marco miniman was the person that he got mike mangini got chosen over him for dream theater 
And that's how far Marco got. I mean, Marco is that good. And his four-way independence is ridiculous. And he's he better than Mike Mangini, for I, what it's worth. I think so. I agree. Um, nothing against Mangini. Mangini's good. But but Marco Miniman is the shit. I mean, and for me, to, speaking of him, the highlight on this record is a song called Blues Fucker. Um, that is the title. It's called Blues Fucker. It's this really kind of like up-tempo blues thing that turns into a 10-minute drum solo in the middle, and you're not bored. You know, I know that people say, oh, drum solos are boring. No, not with Marco. <laughs> not with Marco. <laughs> because Miniman, yeah. you have no idea how the hell he's playing half of this stuff. So this is, I mean, it is a well-played, well-mixed, well-recorded album, period. And I don't think these guys would have had it any other way. That's a That's, great choice. I, those guys are so incredible. You know? Yeah. I got lucky to see them once live, mode. and I was like, forget it. Yeah, I saw them with you, yeah. Bob. We saw him. Yeah, we yeah. saw him at the token. It was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Again, another master class in how to play the instrument. Yeah. yeah exactly. Each you pick pick whichever instrument you want. They. they yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just mind blowingly phenomenal. Yes. Absolutely. OK, hey, what you got? So, you know, there's there's a handful of bands. UFO. We showed Strangers in the Night. Showed Thin Lizzy Live and Dangerous. There's a couple others. Um that they're really the defining record of that band, right? So I don't think there's a better example uh, than this one because I think it's the band firing on all cylinders. I think it brought them to the forefront and showed really what an incredible band they are. I think they're one of the greatest bands of all time. Cheap Trick at Budokan. Yep. And I'm showing the the complete concert because that's the, the one. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the one to hear because that's the show as it was played. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with the original that came out, but there's just a lot of great songs that are left off of it. So um, it, this one is now available all anywhere. You can get it on CD or LP or anything you want. But if you want to hear Budokan in its entirety, the complete concert's the way to do it. I, th I think I've told the story before on here. I got to see Cheap Trick play live at Budokan one and two, all the the entire albums, both albums, live at the Roxy, with my old boss, Andy Gould, awesome. and uh, we got sat in the reserve section, and we obviously had been put there, and it wasn't. I mean, obviously wasn't our table, but the people that came over tried to kick us out, and it was Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> It was Paul Stanley. It was it was Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons. It was Eric Singer and Jeff Baxter. What was oh, Skunk Baxter doing with Kiss? Hanging now, out with him. Now that's who they should have gotten to wear the ace makeup over Tommy Thayer is Skunk Baxter with the mustache. <laughs> and then yeah. could you imagine the rockets they could have had at the show? Yeah, right. Yeah, right <laughs> Oh, no, yeah. now watch as our guitar player, the spaceman Skunk Baxter, blows up Taiwan from here. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Jeff Baxter actually works for the That's government. That's the whole story in itself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. He's he truly is a rocket Still scientist. Does. Side sidebar: There was a you know we all used to hang out at the Nam show. That was when we, when we when we all uh, when we all were able to do that back then now there's uh the nam show is uh, just a skeleton now but unfortunately yeah. um but i was with bob we were walking <laughs> around the main floor and we both were like oh man look there's skunk baxter right and we're like 
kind of freaking out and, and bob's like i'm gonna ask him for a picture and i was like okay you know and bob goes over he goes hey hey skunk you mind if i get a picture with you and he goes yeah sure you know and he leans in and he takes like a selfie with bob and and bob's like thanks man and he goes yeah no problem and then he turns around and he flipped his badge around like all pissed off like because he, he was mad somebody <laughs> talked to him it was great he was super nice to bob but like he made it clear that he didn't want anybody else to want a picture with him too funny he, he probably thought he wasn't gonna get recognized you know he's jeff baxter he, at nam what do you think a shit ton i i wanted to ask him about when the doobie brothers played on what's happening yeah. which is actually the greatest live album of all time is the yes. doobie brothers mustache, live on what's happening fucking mistake that mustache <laughs> no you can't you that can't bootle- that bootleg is still out there somewhere <laughs> that re that rerun recorded behind their back yeah, eating popcorn. We thought you were our friend, Rerun. <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah, Bob, you're up. I'm up. You yep. are. What the hell do I got here? A bunch of paper. Okay. This one's obvious. You know, they're all obvious pretty much, right? Um... course come on guess alive guess alive i can't hear you guys yes oh, there you are uh, we're here kiss alive kiss alive 1975 that came out so this this live record was my introduction to kiss when i was in seventh grade um i don't know how i never heard the first three studio albums um so all of us in junior high school, you know, everyone's talking about this this album, so I got it. It's, it's like, wow, man, look at these guys, you know. And uh, but you know, with, with the makeup and everything, and their you know their whole look is fucking cool as shit. But more important than that, they write great rock and roll songs, you know. Um, so I fell in love with that record, man, the live album. And uh, of course, I went back and got Kiss, Hotter Than Hell, and Dress to Kill, um, and then after that, Destroyer came out, which is my favorite Kiss studio record of all time. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, it was recorded at Cobo Arena in Detroit, like the Bob Seger album, and um, you know, Kiss. Um, Detroit kind of took Kiss. They welcomed Kiss with open arms. I can't think of a way to say And it. open you know, legs. Paul Stanley always <laughs> yeah. has to say that here. Yes. Yep. Well, Kiss is phenomenal, whether Nick or not the, the legs are open Paul or not. Stanley imitation. Yeah, well, Mike does the best Gene Simmons, so it yeah, works man. out. The, 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 uh, Paul has to say that. I mean, I've probably seen Kiss 15 times in Detroit, and every show here he always has to say, Detroit, you were the first place to open your arms and your legs. And every time people go ballistic. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> But no, well, Kiss yeah, Alive, Kiss there... Alive, number one on my list. Number one, the, I, uh, that record changed my fucking life. No, yeah, I would that... not be who I am without it. That changed a lot of people's Fuck lives. Yeah. I mean, that it changed Kiss's yeah. lives. That's yeah. for sure. I mean, if yeah, it, yeah. that's funny because it's it's interesting to see that a live album truly launched their career. 
Because that was one of those bands yeah. that they only always said, you need to see us live. And how they were able to capture that energy on album is hard. I, I mean, you know, especially back then. Yeah. And, you know, overdubs aside, uh, you know, right. it's just it's one of the best albums out there. So that's why building on that. My next one is Kiss Alive 4 <laughs> with the no, symphony. Yeah, no, oh, I'm kidding. I'm wow. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's I'm actually kidding. Kiss Alive 3 is his favorite. Yes. No, it's Kiss Alive 2 because for me, this was, I heard this album first before I heard Kiss Alive. Um, you know, one of my first albums that I was given as a kid, uh, first Kiss album was Kiss Destroyer. And so after that, you know, Kiss Alive 2 comes out uh, uh, with, you know, all the the way that Kiss did it was kind of interesting. It's like we put out three albums. This live album is all the songs from those three albums. We did another three albums. This live album will have nothing from the first three albums, only from the next three albums, uh, which left them with a whole side that they needed to do studio songs, which none of I think there's only one song that all of them actually played on. And but that there's was one ride. But there's one Kiss classic on that on that side. Rocket Ride. No. A what? All American Man. Oh, get out of here! Dude. That's the that's <laughs> that fucking song rules. Top that five song, Kiss songs ever. That song is borderline part of this song. Sucks. No, shut up. You know, you know, Nick. Even I don't like that song. <laughs> I want nothing to do with it ever again. It made no money. My first instinct is to scratch that <laughs> that track off of side four. Oh, spot on, bro. Spot yeah, on. He's, he's got the best gene, no doubt about it. <laughs> Even somebody uh, very close very to the close Kiss to the camp yeah. told me that. You, you said, your friend that you do that show with does an amazing gene impression. You hear that, Jeff Henderson? <laughs> So, yeah, that would be my next one is Kiss Alive 2. I mean, first of all, from from a packaging standpoint, you got the tattoos and all those other things in there. And you got the booklet, for, you know, Kiss Throughout the Years and all that. And and then you got those five songs on that fourth side. You know, Larger Than Life is whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, any way you want it. Yeah, which is a Dave it. Clark five song. All right. That Paul Stanley decided to cover, which supposedly he played everything on. I don't know if he played drums on it, but I think he played everything else on he it. He says he did, and yeah. you know, you could definitely believe them because they yeah. never lie about anything. No, they don't lie about anything. But Rocket Ride was a quintessential Ace Fraley song. And it's the one song that they actually all played on. Otherwise, it was like Bob Kulik playing guitar or somebody else, you know, uh playing Dick all Wag the other or instruments. Somebody or right. yeah. But, but that oh, always got my favorite Kiss song, Detroit Rock Which, City. Yes. Oh, it opens with my favorite Kiss song of all time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And another thing that's got to be talked about about a live two is the gatefold. Maybe the greatest rock and roll shot oh, yeah. ever with all the pyro going off with Gene. And Gene says, you know, when they took that picture, it was during a sound check. And they said, let's just blow everything off at once, turn yeah. all the lights on. And it, and it, I mean, if I could put like an eight foot mural on my wall, it would be that. If I remember correctly, that was actually done down here in San Diego. I believe it was. That was yes. at the San Diego Sports Arena. Yes, that's correct. That is absolutely correct. Next, Nick. Awesome. 
Uh, next one, uh, I think it's one of the uh, one of the greatest concerts of all time. Um, captured originally on a three LP set, it's now available as a six LP. If you want to hear the entire show, um, and that is the last waltz by the band. Tons Great of uh, tons Ooh, of good one. Tons of, uh, of course, uh, special guests: Van Morrison, Doctor John, uh, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell. Paul Butterfield, Eric Clapton, the list goes on and on. Of course, the the icon Bob Dylan comes out at the end to uh, sew up their career. And uh, very um, emotional show, but the band themselves just play out of this world. All the guests are great. Um, definitely a night that it, you know sticks out in music history, and uh, it was captured in its entirety on you know multi-track audio, so it sounds great. And, of course, the film uh, done by Martin, Martin Scorsese, and uh, just, I think it's one of the pillars of, of uh, rock music, really. Um, you look back at that show, one of my customers, who I don't know if he's still in here, uh, Mike Harkins, was, he told me he got to see that show live in San Francisco when it happened at the Winterland. I think he said it cost him 25 bucks to buy a scalp ticket. And that wow. was in 1976. So That you know, was a lot. Yeah, so, but, I mean, he was there. So how amazing Damn. to be able to witness that. But without a doubt, one of the best. Best concerts ever. Yeah, that's great choice, Nick. Thank you. That's a really special, important record in rock history. Absolutely. Okay, good one. Thank you. Okay, we're on to number four. Oh yeah. Got to have killers. a Queen fucking album in here, you know. And Live Killer, so Queen, yeah, of course, one of my favorite bands of all time, you know. This came out in 1979, so it was the tour for the jazz album. So it's um, it's before they uh, they uh, you know got into the 80s and their style changed you know a bit, which I love all Queen, you know, but the 70s stuff is my favorite, and this record's just fucking phenomenal. You know, they open up with a, a revamped version of "We Will Rock You," you know, they, they turn it into a fucking rock song with guitars throughout and you know, it's a really cool version and uh and then it's it's just all classics the whole record it's it's, it's just phenomenal you know every you know just you don't even have to fucking say why you love it it's just you know why it's yeah. fucking badass you know fucking queen. Bad, i want to mention another what's up it's fucking queen <laughs> yeah it's queen bro you know i just wanted because i had this I have all these albums on vinyl, but I over 3,000 vinyl records. They're not in alphabetical order, so there's no way I'm going to find them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this is a really good live album that was released in the last five, six, seven years. Live at the Odeon. Huh. A Night at the Odeon. In, uh, is that an London. official release? Yes. Yes. It oh, is. Wow, I didn't even know. And it's, it's, yeah, it just came out, you know, in the last several years. And it's, uh, it's, it came out, it was recorded before Night at the Opera was uh, released. Oh. But Bohemian Rhapsody is on here and stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of stuff off of Sheer Heart Attack and Queen 2, you know, and a little bit off the first album. But it's a really, really great recording. You know, it's just sonically, it's, um, it was recorded really good. 
And it's early Queen, man, which that's my favorite era. So it's um, if you haven't heard it, Mike, you should check it out. It's, yeah, I'm definitely it's gonna great. have to check that it's, out. It's it, Mike. Spoiler alert: It's already out of print, and it goes for a lot of money. But, yeah, but I, it doesn't mean I can't listen to it. Yes, and I just got a used copy, and that's primo. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my, my next one. This one you may or may not like because I don't think Nick, I don't think you like this band. Uh, but you have to appreciate this album at least. Talking Heads, stop making sense. Right on. I know I'm supposed to like that. Like everybody goes, oh, it's one of the best albums. So I know I'm I'm supposed to give it praise. But it it is a great. Bob left. Uh, He's it- probably got to pee. <laughs> He's like, screw you guys. I'm going home. Uh, but he's 61, you know, so like his, his prostate isn't the same. And, you know, you got to go. I guess yes. you can but hear yeah. him going. <laughs> this That's is the level of professionalism just, we run here. Listen. Everybody just listen. My number one favorite live album of all time. Bob Tyrell goes to the bathroom September 20th, 2023. Bob takes a pish. <laughs> Bob takes a pish dot com. No, go on about stop making sense though. Well, I mean, all right. First of all, it was it was a movie. It was a sound. It was a live album. It was a movie. Jonathan Demme directed the movie, and he kind of went on to bigger things like Silence of the Lambs and Philadelphia. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, and the Maltese Falcon and all those other great movies that he's done. But the songs themselves, in many ways, are the quintessential versions. You know that uh, of those talking head songs like once in a lifetime it's like the quintessential version of it like the album version is great but the live version is even better burning down the house has that live energy to it you know the the video on mtv was kind of silly uh but live it made a lot more sense seeing it and seeing them in the big suit and everything else and what have you so you know for me it was you know i was in that sort of phase again this this is around the same time as as uh you know, Arena came out. I was listening to Duran Duran. I was listening to Talking. I was listening to a lot of more what would be considered alternative at that time. Uh, and so, again, for me, it was it was a really cool record. Now, uh, you know, hearing Tina Weymouth's bass playing and Jerry Harrison's guitar playing, uh, you know, both really, really good musicians in their own right. And then who was the drummer? I forget who the Chris. Uh, what the fuck is that guy's name? It's Chris something. Yeah. I mean, he held, he held the tight groove. I mean, the, for me, it's kind of funny. For me, the guy in the band I liked the least was David Byrne. Oh, I can back you up on yeah. that for sure. But, <laughs> I, you know, I don't hate him like you do. Um, but, you know. I wouldn't say I hate him. but You hate him. There's you don't like pe- him a lot. There's people I dislike more. I'll, I'll oh, say okay. That. Hate, That's hate's good. a strong word. <laughs> he hates David Byrne. He hates Steve Miller. He hates John Cougar Mellencamp. In fact, my next album is John Cougar Mellencamp live. At, you know. <laughs> I also I also don't like Lou Reed. Yeah, I never really uh, I never understood Lou Reed that much. Lou Reed you know. live. It's on my oh, list. Oh, the live album with Dick Wagner and Steve Hunter. That's rock and roll animal. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually not a bad record. <laughs> Neither is uh, Transformer. Anyways, is it, is, is it on your list? No, go. You're it's next. Not. Go, Nick. We're, Am we're I on? over two hours on this. Yeah, show we got to wrap this. We got to yeah. get moving. I'm sorry. Um, can't talk <laughs> about live albums without talking about this one. Uh, again, another just um, pillar in this band's catalog. 
and uh, I think the quintessential versions of these songs, Deep Purple, Made in Japan. Yeah, that's on my list. Incredible, incredible energy, incredible sound, uh, and you get the full picture of Deep Purple. There's the improv jamming, there's the power, there's the Ian Gillen screaming, Blackmore, um, you know, at his absolute best. Um, Ian Pace, the drum solo on the mule, you know, one of my one of my favorite moments on the instrument ever. Um, and Deep Purple, just one of the one of the greatest bands of all time. I think that is their best live record, but I do want to put a little asterisk there and say Made in Europe with the lineup of Coverdale and Glenn Hughes is equally as good, in my opinion. I love yeah. both of the, both those eras of the band. I think they're both important, and I think both live records are fucking killer front to back. So I'm going to say Made in Europe and Made in Japan. Uh-oh, that's a yeah, dynamic Yeah, I, I agree, duo. bro. Because, like, you know, Made in Japan was kind of known as, like, most people think of that as the best lineup of deep purple but the mark three lineup with coverdale and glenn hughes and stuff it's a uh, you know burn that's my favorite deep purple song of all mine time. too mine burn. too yeah that's you know? uh that i think that is their greatest achievement is that is that song yeah man and i gotta say that that was my number two choice but i want i want to bring this up real quick for fans to check out so Dick, remember they released this who this, got that for you bob deluxe version uh this guy named nick morocco got this for me <laughs> and um so it's like nine vinyl records so that the made in japan album was taken from three different shows two in osaka japan and one in tokyo japan and um so they released this nine is it nine it's records nine records yet? yep nine records and this is all three shows it's everything and uh the cool thing about it is because Deep Purple were a jam band, you know? And um, so, like, if you listen to Highway Star, you know, on all three nights, you got a totally different solo, except for the, the main parts of Highway Star, you know, that, that he has to play. And every other song, it's just the solo, the guitar solos from Blackmore, <coughs> different every night. And every, they, you know, they improvise, you know, like bands did back then. Zeppelin did big time. Yep. But it's cool to hear the different versions, man. That's why I wanted to bring up that box sex. It's it's really because that's such a, a landmark live record, you know. So I agree. That's one anyway. of my favorite my favorite pieces of uh, uh, my collection is that nine LP set. And I just I had to dial it up and look to see because remember how hard it was to get two of those, Bob. And uh, the the current median value of that set on Discogs is four hundred and eighty dollars. Wow! Holy crap! <laughs> yes. Wow. So, as it should be. As it should be. You got it. But Ian Pace, you were talking about. You know, he's my second favorite drummer of all time. Bottom being number one. Bottom and Ian Pace, I almost like them equally. They're like both my number ones. You know, and Richie Blackmore has always been one of my favorite guitarists. And you know, Rainbow. With Dio on vocals, Blackmore when he left Rain when he left Deep Purple form Rainbow, you know that's one of my favorite bands of all time too. So that's I'm a huge Richie Blackmore fan. Yes. Anyway, I, I chimed in a bit, but I don't have to talk about my number two now. So we'll just skip <laughs> me at number two. Here. So I'll go to my number number three. So you know, I'm from Detroit. Are you? I grew up with. 
uh, yes, yeah. I am. <laughs> now think about that for a second. Um, it says Maine, Detroit in the back of my head. So if it I does. forget, it does. I got it. It's on the back of my even though I can't see it, people can see that and go, oh, you're from Detroit. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I am. So the Motor City Madman's always been one of my heroes, one of my favorite guitarists of all time. So I'm going with Double Live Gonzo is my number three. Came out in 1979. It was the Cat Scratch Fever tour. Um, you know, Ted's uh, a lot of bands have those those three records like in a row that are like the best stuff from their career. Ted Nugent, it was the first solo album is called Ted Nugent, Free for All, the second record, and Cat Scratch Fever, the third album. Those are my favorite albums from Ted, you know, of all time. So this was a tour for like those three records and stuff. And there's an Amboy Dukes song out there, The Great White Buffalo. Um, but it's just, it's a phenomenal album. It's Ted Nugent, you know, he's, he's fucking nuts, you know. And back then, you know, he was just, just listening to what he's talking about in between songs is, you know, is part of the reason I love this record so much, you know. This little love song dedicated to all that Nashville pussy. Wang, dang, sweet poo, tang, you know. <laughs> and you wonder where Nashville pussy stuff. got their name. Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's exactly where they got it. Um, so it's just one of my favorite live albums of all time. One of my favorite guitarists of all time. And he's from Detroit, man. Come on. That's all I'm going to say right there. And he'll shoot your dinner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Um, my next one is another jam band. Um, oh, the dead. You put the dead in your list. I put live dead on there. Yes. And Europe 72. I, I knew you would oh, come yeah. around. I knew you would come around. No, I did not. Fuck you. <laughs> Allman Brothers. Nick paid you to do that. <laughs> Allman Brothers. Allman Brothers band. Yep. Holy Allman Brothers band no. at Fillmore East. Classic live album, Mountain Jam, I think goes on for about three hours. <laughs> it's, on the still album. Going, it's still going on right now. Yeah, they finished the concert, but the song is still playing. Like, there's somebody there still doing it. Um, in fact, it went on so long, like, you know, they, they actually made six versions of this album, I think. Uh, yeah. But four of them are just Mountain Jam. Um, part <laughs> one, two, three, and four. Uh all joking aside, I mean, one of the quintessential jam bands of all time, right? Yes. And the, you know, that two guitar craziness of Dickie Betts and Dwayne Allman and, you know, Greg just pounding the organs, uh, you know, that he was playing. And uh, just the, the whole band was just magnificent. The live version of Whipping Post on here is just uh, an absolute Dude. must. You have to listen to Whipping Post live. Quintessential uh, version of it. Absolutely. And and so for all those reasons, uh, you know, the historical significance of it being at Fillmore, so on and so forth, all of that played into it. It's it's really easy to find this album, too, which is cool in a way because it was so popular. But I mean, I, you literally can find this for like three dollars yeah. on vinyl. Well, not you know? not yeah, so much anymore. A record bin. Mike, it's man. Because, like I said, I had little time to fucking think about this. I just rattle off albums. That could be my number one pick. It could be. That record, you know? 
And, um, you know, um, man, I think uh, I'm getting fucking Alzheimer's or something. <laughs> but uh, my, my brain, my brain short circuits a lot, you know. But uh, Mountain Jam, you were talking about, like, that wasn't on the original official release when that album came out. That was first released on the next album, Eat a Peach, after yeah. Dwayne Allman died. And Mountain Jam was like the whole side of the record, right? It was yeah. like 30 minutes long or whatever. But then later, because that was recorded at those shows. Yeah. So with the It came up on the, I think it was on the CD. Yep. It did. They added it at that point. You're right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but, but either yeah, way, it's it's fuck. a great one. It's a great one. So go get it. Who's up? Right. Am you. I up? I'm up. Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap uh, this up. Let's go. Okay. Uh, well, I, how many do I have left? One or two? I wasn't counting. Two. Okay. Two. Okay. All right. Let's so go two. Second to last. Okay. Um, not to be confused with the album of the same title. This is the live version. It was also a movie. Um, I think the band at their absolute peak ACDC let there be rock live in Paris. Yeah. So this is ACDC with Bon Scott um, from it's recorded on the highway to hell tour. So highway to hell and back. So you get all the classic stuff on their dirty deeds um, shot down in flames. Of course, highway to hell, but the version of the song, let there be rock and the performance of it is second to none i would put it up against anything um that you want that you want to stack it up against angus just on fire i think one of the greatest guitar heroes of all time and and i love brian johnson i love the brian johnson era of acdc he's just as important to the thing as bond but when you see visually acdc with bond scott you go that's it that's fucking rock and roll is acdc with bon scott fronting the band and yep. uh there's no better example of it than that if you want blood you got it is a good example but it's short so full show is let there be rock live in paris can't beat it yeah nice. yeah that was on my uh should have been on my list list <laughs> <laughs> all right my all right. turn number one you're down yeah number go one for now. it so, uh, I went with this because Nick knows how much I love this band. Yep. Leonard Skinner, One More from the Road. Uh, came out in 1976. Um, for a lot of reasons, I love this album. You know, it's um, Leonard Skinner. I always say they're my favorite band, but. I could say Deep Purple's my favorite band. You know, I could say Queen's my favorite band. It's hard to name just one band, but if I had to, I always say Skinner. They were, I got into them late. You know, and I got into them in about, uh, I was about 17 and a junior in high school. And I fell in love with them. And, and that was my in introduction to Southern rock. And I just fell in love with, you know, Blackfoot, Miley Hatchet, all my brother's band, Marshall Tucker band, Outlaws, all that stuff. But Skinner were like, my favorite, you know, and that record came out, you know, that actually this live album was my introduction to Skinner and then street survivors came out and I'll, you know, not too long after that, the next year, you know, um, but this album is the first record with Steve Gaines. So 
Steve Ed King had left the band. They did one album, Give Me Back My Bullets, with just Alan Collins and Gary Rossington. So they wanted to get that third guitarist back in the band again, have that three guitar attack. So they got this guy, Steve Gaines, who is fucking phenomenal, you know? And um, so this is the first recording they have with Steve Gaines. It's a live album. And uh, it's just a great album. You know, it's a classic record. And it's got the definitive version of Freebird is on this record. Yep. You know? Cause the studio version's cool, you know. It opens up with like organ, you know, and acoustic guitar. But on the live album, Billy Powell played the intro on piano, and it just made a world of difference. And uh, that's how it's been played since. Peter Keys yep. does it now, you know. Um, but everything about that song, you know, it's um, just Brandy Van Zant, you know, play it pretty for Atlanta, you know, when Gary Rustin's playing the slide parts. And uh, and then the end, the jam at the end, it's just, you know, the, the studio version's good, but the live version is just a whole new level. The ending of the song, that's the best ending of all time, you know? And, um, the most massive the Fox Theater. guitar solo ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, man. It's just... So I put that as my number one because Skinner are so special to me, you know? And then Freebird's my favorite song of all time. That live version is my favorite song of all time. Like the studio version wouldn't be my favorite song of all time, you know, but that live version, it's that great. Yeah. That Amazing live record. Yeah, man. That's it for well, me. You're up, Mike. My final pick is probably going to be controversial and y'all going to be like, fuck you. What's wrong with you? Um, fuck you. What's wrong with you? Well, all right. Yeah, you can do that anyway. Uh, I went with this one for a number of reasons, which I will explain. Um, it's not my favorite band, but it's a damn good live album on so many levels. And that is Nirvana Unplugged in New York. Oh, that's a great, great show. That's your top pick? It's not my top pick. I didn't rank anything. It's my last pick. If I had to rank them, Exit Stage Left would have been my number one, probably. Okay, okay, list. all right. So I'm just making sure. I didn't sure. rank them. Okay. I said that from the beginning. So why do I like this one? First of all, it was <laughs> it was the nail in the coffin for anything, any other music at that time. It really was significant because once, you know, like Pearl Jam did it, it was cool. Like all these other bands did it, it was cool. Kiss did it, it was weird. You know, but... <laughs> This this singularly established Nirvana as an influential band. I mean, like you know, Nevermind was great, and and, and Utero is now thirty years old this year. Jesus, um, but this live album, the fact that all those songs translated acoustically, really cemented who they were in music, and tackling you know different covers like the man who sold the world by david bowie and you know where'd you sleep last night by lead belly which is probably one of the most emotional acoustic songs you'll ever hear like honestly the, the, you can hear like the pain in kurt cobain's voice in that song as he's singing it you know it's like it's like he wrote it yeah. but he didn't um and it just put the nail in the coffin for anything else that came before it like you knew that hair metal was never coming back ever <laughs> right. no it's a little back now but only for legacy bands um, 
and Steel Panther. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was really just like like a you could put a dividing line between this album, everything that came after it, and everything that kind of came before it, uh, and that's why I picked it. You know, because it just it just translated really, really well. And you wouldn't think that Nirvana would translate well acoustically. They actually worked at it. They did a great job with it. That was like the they they did exactly what you were supposed to do on Unplugged. Yes. Yeah. Them, yeah. Alice in Chains. Um, you know, there's there's a very small handful of unplugged performances yeah. that really are what they're supposed to be, you know. Yeah, they were they, clapping they, too, they, that M2V. Uh, I definitely oh, yeah, wouldn't put that. No, no. Oh, stop. That's, that's a great not... record. The MTV Unplugged album? No, it's not. Yeah, no, it's it not. Great it record. Is. Fuck it is. that. It is. It's Sorry, his best selling album ever, too. That, on top that doesn't of it. matter. Is it? <laughs> no, that's it, a I, great album, Nick. I hate, I hate when he says, see if you can spot this one. Like he just, like he just, like he was so brilliant to fucking slow Layla down. Oh wow, man! I could hardly tell it was Layla when you played it in the same fucking key. You are such a hater. You are such an absolute hater. There's like people that don't like things. Then there's people no, that are angry. No, then there's here's the thing: people that just shit on everything. Then there's haters, and then there's Nick. That's not true. There's what I'm. That's another one of those records, like the first Velvet Underground record and Nirvana Nevermind, that you're supposed to just be like, "Oh, this is so great," and it's and it's not. Nevermind's a great album. Nevermind's the best of the three I just listed. Okay, I was just throwing albums out there, but you know what I mean, where you're just supposed to like it because they said it's good. Who's yeah, they? You know Who's who they? is they? Who is you they? know who they are. Who are the unwatched men? What is that from? I don't know what that is. It's a zebra line. <laughs> point is. The band zebra? The point the is. zebra, yes. Eric Clapton unplugged is not one of the ones I would say was a good unplugged. Fine. Be that way. Wow. What's your What's your number one choice, Nick? So you can well, shut the fuck up about this shit. My number one choice has already been discussed. It was Kiss Alive, Tied with Thin Lizzy, Live and Dangerous. That was my number one. But I feel like we can't do this list of greatest live albums and not talk about this one. It kicked off the era of the live album. And that was Eric Clapton, MTV Unplugged. Oh. No, The Who Live at Leeds. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even Roger yep. thought so. Yeah. <laughs> The version of Bargain that's on there, if I remember correctly, is freaking fantastic. Uh, I don't know if Bargain's on there. That's recorded before Who's Next. I thought that was on the extended, the deluxe version, maybe. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. I think you're thinking of, um, there because there is an extended version, like, you, yeah. like you're mentioning. Because uh, another one of those albums that was just a single disc. Um, this has the crazy My Generation on it where they, you know, destroy all their equipment and everything but the full show has a full performance of tommy as they That's were touring right. at the time and then uh songs from who sell out and uh of course can't explain and things like that but again just a band at their absolute peak you know the who in 1970 it's hard to hard to beat that i think mike what you might be referring to is the version of bargain from the young vic that was on the who's next deluxe that probably is what it is. I'm trying to look it up now, and yeah, it's not on that album. That's that's my bad. But I know I heard. I thought, oh, man, I was off on that one. But 
Bargain Live is really good. Uh, <laughs> that yes, version it of is. Bargain Live is really it is. good. I just don't think there's like there's you know, there's so many great live albums um that I feel like you have to mention when you're doing a list like this, even if they're not in our top ten. Like that's one of those records where you go live album who live it leads, you know, Frampton comes alive, you know, super important one. Yeah. That's, that's a super important one, man. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of important live albums that we may not have put on this list that, you know, are, but they, they have importance to them. They just might not be in our top, whatever, you know, for whatever reason like that, you know, that album is great. I have the extended live at Leeds. I know I have it. Um, you know, the, the, you know, Frampton comes alive. We didn't talk about it, but, that was a hugely important live album, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, there's a lot of filler on there, but the songs that you know and you've heard on the radio, the three that you've heard, you know, from that album that everybody knows are fantastic, you know? Do You Feel Like I yeah. Do is just like one of the best, the live version is one of the best, not just live songs, but songs that, yes. are, yeah. that were recorded, you know? So, and with the, with the strategic M80s exploding at certain points, you know, to kind of give it oomph, you know, yeah. all the stuff that happened on that album was magical, you know, but yeah, it's not one of my favorites, you know, it's yeah, that's, it definitely needs to be mentioned. But yeah. It's, it's a classic essential live record, you know, and yeah. maybe a humble pie performance was, yeah. by the Fillmore. Totally. That's an important one. Great. Traffic, traffic on the road. That's a good one. That's another uh, good one. Just outside of my top 10, if we're going to do like two or three honorable mentions each, I had uh, Mott the Hoople live from 74. Great live record. Yeah. Um, uh, Johnny Cash at Folsom Prison. That's oh, another yeah. big one, yeah. Um, and last one, I would say uh, Wings Over America. Oh, yeah, so, man. Think about that one. Well, the version of maybe I'm amazed on that is is like again like the the quintessential version of that song. The yeah. the the studio version's great. The live version takes it to another level. Yep. So yeah. yeah. And the first time Paul was playing Beatles stuff since he had been out of the band, and again the band's super tight on there. There's so many great ones. I mean, that's that. This has been definitely the hardest subject we've ever had to do. You know, it's another great one. Is Little Feet waiting for Columbus. That I'm not familiar with. Bob, you would love it. It's Southern Rock to the fucking core. Also recorded at the Fox Theater at uh, where Skinner did theirs. Right on, dude. Yeah, you got. Yeah, you got to be all about. It's going to be your new favorite record. I promise you. Right on, dude. What's the name of it? Waiting for Columbus. Waiting for Columbus. Okay. Do you use Apple Music? Yes. All right. I'm just going to send it to you, and then that way I won't forget. Oh, cool. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, brother. Appreciate yes. it. Yes. Yeah, I just wanted to mention a couple real quick. Um, sure. So you mentioned ACDC and Pat Travers. And um, Steve Ray Vaughan, live at Montro. It's um, it's a recording of his, before his first album came out, we were just getting booed and stuff because it was a jazz festival. And it's a, it's a great fucking live record. And then he was came back three years later. It was for this during the soul to soul his third album right around that period and nobody's booing him then you know <laughs> yeah, and, um, right i bet they're both that they released that as a you know a double cd with both shows and it's um to me that's an essential live album stevie ray's one of my favorite guitarists of all time 
But I got Jeff Beck live at Ronnie Scott's. It's a great, really, one. really great. Yep, Jeff Beck live record, man. It, it was a really good show, man. Was that the one? Um, that was the one with the Coley Udo on drums and Tal Wickenfeld on bass. Yep, yep, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rory Gallagher Irish Tour '74, great double live record, man. It's a you know Rory Gallagher at his best. Um, Judas Priest Unleashed in the East. Yeah, I think one. that's a pretty yep. special live record. 1979, I think that came out. Uh, Iron Maiden, you said already. Um, Scorpions Tokyo Tapes. Great one. Is a really good one. It's, it's got Uli Roth, the last tour with Uli Roth on guitar. Um, that's a great album. Yeah, Jay Giles Live, Jay Giles Band Live, Blow Your Face Out. For me, okay. it's, it's a great fucking live record. <laughs> I love Jay Giles Band. It's got the song Detroit Breakdown on it. So Giles, Jay Giles is another band like Kiss for Detroit fucking took them in as their own, you know. Like, Jay Giles and Kiss, Detroit were into them before the rest of the country was. You guys don't like the Jay Giles band? I do. I'm all right with it. You serious? I like, I would prefer the other okay. one, though. The um, What's the first one? Full House. I like Full House more than Blow Your Face Out. Yeah. I think Blow Your Face Out just because it's got Detroit Breakdown. Nick doesn't yeah. like Freeze Frame. But yeah, Full House is a little better. You're right. And then I got a Freeze Frame. Nah, this is the good stuff before Freeze Frame. Yeah, yeah right. See? Uh, Motorhead, No Sleep Will Hammersmith, if you're into Motorhead. Yes. B.B. King, Live at the Regal. Great one. Um, yes. Yes songs, you know. It's, you, we could go on and on, man, you know. Springsteen live at the public restroom stall three. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking come on. Oh, that's so good. Off exit. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up that All portion right, of our life. show. We have we have two very short segments to get to, and then we're going to leave everybody because we've been going on a long-ass time. I think this will probably be the longest show unless we end this really, really quick. And those two segments we're going to do are Discovered and This Song Sucks. Now, Discovered is when we discuss a cover song that we like as much, if not more, than the original, and that we should do quick. And then This Song Sucks, great band, shitty song. So, uh, and we have, and we have, uh, of course, we have a, uh, a, uh, an intro for that. So, uh, which we'll get to in a minute, but we'll start with discovered and Nick, why don't you show Bob how it's done? So, because we were talking about live albums and as I mentioned, uh, number one tied at number one, kiss alive and thin Lizzy live and dangerous. I think I played, talked about this cover before, but I, it's <clears throat> worth repeating. I think it's one of the best covers ever. Uh, super suckers. The greatest rock and roll band in the world, if you ask them. The Super Suckers doing <laughs> Cowboy Song by Thin Lizzy. Um, oh, yeah. They fucking murder it. They do it just just like the record. There's nothing um, different about it, but they just do a great version of it. You don't hear a lot of solid, good Thin Lizzy covers, and this one is my favorite. Nice. That's hell yeah, man. Bob, what would your cover so, be? I, um, I mean, my favorite is, you know what? Like, I want to mention a couple real quick, but um, Jimi Hendrix's version of All Along the Watchtower, you know, it's it's a, it's a given, you know, it's yep. a Bob Dylan song that he uh, completely reinvented and made it his own song. 
And uh, it's actually one of my favorite Jimi Hendrix songs too, you know. And uh, but it's it sounds everyone thinks it's a Jimi Hendrix song. Only yes. the people that know know that Dylan wrote that song. And uh, it's a game changing song. And the guitar solo in that song, and the you know from 1968, um, you know Jimmy was a an innovator and a, ahead of his time, you know, like Eddie Van Halen was stuff. So that song I think is comes to mind first. Um, Van Halen's version of You Really Got Me by the Kinks. I like Van Halen's version better than the Kinks version, you know. Most do. Um, it's, it's, it's Van Halen, you know. And I, I got to mention uh, the stuff Johnny Cash did with Rick Rubin in his last years. They recorded so much stuff. After Johnny Cash died, they released four studio records of all, it's all acoustic stuff. Got Mike Campbell on guitar and a lot of that stuff from yep. Tom Petty's band, and um, it's just brilliant stuff. But there's a ton of covers he does. There's originals sprinkled in there, but um, I think it was more covers than originals, maybe or maybe an equal amount of both. But uh, but his Johnny Cash's version of U2's <coughs> one, like he Johnny Cash made that his own, you know, and because I love that song, but I I like Johnny Cash's version better than U2's. Um, and a lot of it's just the the acoustic guitars are fucking beautiful on that, you know, and on all that stuff. A lot of that's Mike Campbell, you know. Yeah. Um, but the acoustic guitar sounds so good. And they did the Nine Inch Nails song, Hurt. He kind of made that his own as well. Uh, Rusty Cage by Soundgarden he did. And they all worked really well, you know. And Rick Rubin's part of the genius of, of putting that all that together, you know. And Johnny Cash was... He recorded so much because he was he wanted to. He wanted to just keep working and working. And they had after Johnny Cash died, they released that five C D box set called Unearthed. It was one greatest hit C D from all those recordings and four brand new CDs. And they're all as good as those first four they released. Yep. It's not like they were filler or anything, you know, that they, they were it was just as good and four all at once. And then he released two more albums after that that they had left over and they just recorded a shit ton of music. And honestly, it's my favorite era of Johnny Cash's career because it was recorded so well. And it's his voice is weathered, you know, I like the sound of his voice when he got older. And, um, personally, it's just my favorite stuff. Most people wouldn't agree, but for me it is. So all those covers he did, the Bob Marley song, redemption song, man. Yeah. Joe Strummer sings co-lead vocals on that, and it's uh, it's phenomenal. So Bob's pick for Discovered is the entire Johnny Cash American Recordings output. Fair. Yeah, the Rick Rubin years. There you go. <laughs> All six albums, whatever yep. it might be. Uh, mine is going to be uh, – I'm going to keep ten. mine very, very simple. Um, it's just going to be I Can't Quit You, Babe by Led Zeppelin. Um, you know, originally done by Willie Dixon. Um, yeah. And if Led Zeppelin could have said that they wrote it, they would have. Because um, <laughs> they got, got sued so many times for not saying that they didn't write it. Um, but yeah, the, their version of I Can't Quit You Babe on, on the very first Led Zeppelin album. Uh, what a great blues tune and a great interpretation of that. You know, and Robert Plant at Peak Plant Screech. Uh yeah if if you know you know that's all i got to say on that yep all right good choice now it is time now bob 
you're you're newly initiated to this. Um, we have three different intros <laughs> for for this song sucks. This is not one of them. This I just want to play. Hi there. My name is unimportant. That's all. I just wanted to play our friend Nick Bocott uh, saying that his name is unimportant. But so uh, this is this is how this works. All right. Nick hates a lot of songs. So I wrote a song called This Song Sucks, a 15 second jingle for this. And I've since incorporated other songs into it. So we're going to start with the original. All right. So that's the original. That's awesome. All right. That's the original. <laughs> Here is version 2.0. The ultimate this know, song sucks. Yeah. Well, as we all know, Nick has something severe against Steve Miller. Um, but he also has something against another artist and therefore that inspired the third version of this intro. My favorite is how the the blood curdling scream makes it into all of the versions. It has to. I mean, that's how come just my there. mic was muted every time you played that? What's that? My mic was muted every time you played those. Oh, you never heard them? I didn't even hear them. Uh... I was wondering why they were all the same. Oh well, they are. But when you go back and you listen to the, <laughs> when you, you can f- fast forward to the end of this when we're done. And you could hear it. It's on there for sure. Trust me on it. Uh, yeah, one was the song I wrote, and then one was uh, Steve Miller's Abracadabra incorporated into it. And then one had uh, John Cougar Mellencamp incorporated into it. So there you go. But hey, I like John Cougar. Well, that's a shame. So yeah. I don't love him, I like him. So this 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 portion of the show uh, is great band, shitty song, because they're not all zingers. So, Nick, give us what you got. Okay, I couldn't remember if, if I've put this song on the list or not, but I heard it the other day, and I was like, oh, I'm going to put this in for this song sucks. So hopefully I haven't mentioned it before, but if I have, it still sucks. It sucks as bad as it did last time I mentioned it. And that song is I Like to Rock by April Wine okay terrible song first of all how canadian is that that they like to rock it's very polite who you you know you either love to rock or you don't they like to rock i got a point there i never thought about that it's so non-threatening you know it's so like hey excuse me we'd like to rock please you know i i canadian yeah terrible song and i like april wine i do and i think uh i like just between you and me more than i like i like to rock well there you go see that i i I like i like to rock (laughs) i like i like like to rock 
Yeah. And plus, I really hate that they thought they were clever by putting the day tripper riff and satisfaction in there. Like, hey, you know what would be cool, guys, is if we played a couple classic rock songs in there. You know what I'm talking about, Mike? You're looking at no. me like you don't know what I'm talking about. No okay, so when talking. it goes right at the end, when it's going back into the song, one guy plays, and then the other guy starts playing Satisfaction over that. And then the other guy starts playing the riff where I like to rock as if their song is as good as those two. You know, it's just bad all the way around. There's one Canadian band that matters. Yeah, Triumph. <laughs> Frank Marino and Mahogany Rush. No, it's obviously Rush. It's obviously Rush. I'm not a big I, Triumph fan. Uh, I'm kidding. Hate, hate you all. Rush are the greatest, besides being one of the greatest bands of all time in the world, they're definitely Canada's greatest band of all time by far. Yep. By far. Yep. What about the bare naked or no, bare naked ladies? Frank Marino is great. All right, Bob, what song sucks? And by the way, by the way, before you give it, I will say you can opt out. You have a lot of friends in this industry and you may not want to offend them. But if there's a band where most of the members are dead and you're never going to see them again, and that's one of the songs you're going to pick, have at it. You know, suck is a strong word for the song I'm about to say, you know, because it doesn't suck. And I couldn't think of anything, and I didn't have time to think of anything really. You know, I'm like trying to think of something by a, a really good band that totally sucks. I couldn't think of anything, and the only thing I thought of a, a song that's kind of like a my least favorite song by that band. I'm not going to say it sucks, you know, but uh, um, God gave rock and roll to you, I guess, because I'm a I'm a fucking Oh, yeah, then the other one as well, you know, right. the disco song, you know. Yeah, I was um, made for loving you. Listen, leave Desmond Child alone. <laughs> and and that song is actually really good, but it's not Kiss, you know. Um, no, it's and Desmond Child. And Rock to You is a little on the cheesy side for me, so I will not say it sucks. It's just uh, it's my least favorite Kiss song. Well, honestly, that's also not their song. That's actually a cover that they kissed up a bit. That was actually by Argent. Yes. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah their version is just as forgettable for what it's worth. <laughs> I like the song. I, I like do both too. versions. I, so. I, I like God Gave Rock and Roll to You, too, by Kiss. Yeah. Um, now, what song do I think sucks? I actually didn't think of something. I wanted to think of something just to pick Nick off, uh, piss Nick off, and I'm going to be like, "Yeah, the entire Europe '72 Grateful Dead live album sucks." But you'd be, but you'd be lying to yourself to pick that. No, I wouldn't. And I was going to pick, yeah, every Bruce Springsteen song ever <laughs> recorded live in bathroom stall three, which is, uh, I mean, again, I got to put this up. This was brilliant thinking by Dennis. I, I really, Did I love him for this. You missed earlier in the broadcast. He said he bought Bruce Springsteen's greatest hits. And he said, when he opened it, there was no record inside. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Good that one. is good. Um, <laughs> but if I'm, if I'm, you know, if you're going to twist my arm, I, I would say, you know what? Uh, 
I'm kind of, it's more than I'm over it. And I really just don't understand why this band took hold in the first place. Uh, and I'm going to get shit for this one, but do host by Ramstein. I just, I don't get it. That's a big hit. I'm not really familiar with Ramstein, but I've, that's a song. That's her biggest hit, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I like that riff. I don't mind it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, riff. I liked it when White Zombie did it. Right. That's true. <laughs> that is true. You know, I, I just, to me, it was just like, cool. You have fire. Like, cool. A lot of other bands have fire too. You know, like, right. okay. I mean, I look. Every, every, everybody has what they like and what they don't like. And I'm just not a big fan. And I know they've gotten a lot of credit over the years. I thought they were going to be a flash in the pan. Honestly, no pun intended. Uh, you know, I give them a lot of credit for having the longevity of career that they've had you know, over 25 years at this point. But I feel like I hear the same song every time. And Du Hast is that song. So, Mike, what you're saying is Du Hast, Du Hast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I you hate, I hate. You hate, you hate Ramstein. Yeah. I hate, I hate. What does two host mean? I you hate. hate. Yeah. Oh, okay. that means. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. It's yeah, you, you hate. hate. Yeah, yeah, you hate. So, du hast mich. You hate me. Du hast, du hast. Yeah. Du, we understand. Du like. hast. Du hast mich. <laughs> du hast mich. Uh, whatever. I'm not going to start singing it. But, um, yeah. You just did. Look. Yeah, I just did. When it comes to Ramstein, I got nothing. And neither do we. That's why this show is done. <laughs> First hey off, guys. thank you all for sitting in with us for two hours and 44 minutes at this point. Jeez, holy, holy crap. Shit. We're setting Jeez, records right and left. Slow Bob comes in other ways. Um, <laughs> but, Bob, I can't thank you enough for being here, my friend. It's been great having you here. And, uh, and you've been a, a fountain of awesomeness, uh, and, uh, I need more tattoos. And, uh, when are you coming to San Diego? <laughs> I got to come out, bro. I know you're not in LA anymore. So, you know, makes it well, tougher. If you remember, Mike, you were planning on being in our area this week. I was, I was, but that might be oh, October now. So you're yeah, not coming was... for v Gino Vanilli. You're going to miss I'm, Gino Vanilli. I have to miss Gino. I have to miss Gino, and I'm sad. You should be. Goldfish I, I am. Goldfish will tell I'm you sad. all about it. <laughs> all right, please don't ever have him talk to me. <laughs> I'm kidding, Goldfish. Goldfish you can talk to me. You can talk in, to bro. me, Goldfish, with parental supervision. It's fine. And with, with that, not with being within 50 feet of a school. Yeah, Bob, you missed it. One, one time I was defending Goldfish about something on this show, and Mike said, who cares what he thinks? He's like one step away from eating his own feces. Oh, my God. He is the missing link. Uh, we love Goldfish. We do. We do, especially in bags from Pepperidge Farm. But uh, on that note, thank you all so much for hanging in with us. Bob, thank you so much for being here. Nick, thank you as always. Nick, what's the name of your store? Rock City Music Company. And where are you located? Five Mile in Farmington in Livonia, Michigan. And let me start the jingle. There we go. And where can we find you? RockCityMusicCo.com and all social media platforms. Awesome sauce. And uh, what is your favorite color? Red. 
It was different last time. Yeah, I said black, and you said that's not a color. So now oh, it's red. Fair enough. You're right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for hanging out with us. If you're new here, again, hit subscribe, hit the notification bell, hit all that fun stuff. Uh, we've kept you here a really long time, but you've hung in, and it's been a lot of fun. And again, thank you, Mr. Lord Bob Tyrell, because he's got a beard much like Moses, I'm sure, had. So Billy Gibbons. he's a lord. <laughs> hey, guys, thank you so much, man. I had so much fun, man. I love you guys. Thank you all. Really... Thank you, Bob. We are not doing this next week. We'll probably be back on like October 4th or something like that. So there you go. We are at the end of the jingle. Right about it's coming. Five, four, three, two, one. Done. <laughs>